like myself, I think you're going to be very interested in this story that we're going to tell you. And in this age of missiles and man-made moons, it takes on added significance. There are no actors in this story, but there are a lot of people. The people of the city of Portland, Oregon, and what happened to them, or could happen to them, on a day that we'll call X. This is the land, between the mountains and the sea, between the snow-capped crater of Mount Hood and the Pacific. It's tall timber country. And this is the city, largest dry cargo port on the Pacific coast. And its people are friendly and rugged in the tradition of the Oregon Trail. Population, about 415,000, more or less. More or less about the size of Hiroshima. And this is what happened, or could happen, on a certain day called X. The sun came up at 6.31. Joe Fodeff was there to observe and chronicle the event. The paper, Joe noted, was a little heavier than usual, but naturally he didn't stop to read the headline. And Mrs. Frank Stufel, Portland housewife, mother of five, was concerned at 8.02. John, it's time to get up. You'll be late for school. Children late and coffee boiling. And with these problems duly appraised, she turned to the woman's page of the Oregonian, thus managing to avoid the front page, which, after all, contained nothing but scare headlines. The time? The time is 8.27. Wake up, Portland. It's a wonderful day today. Stay tuned to KOIN for the best in music and news. And now, we continue our wake-up show with more transcribed tunes. Four minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11 and this the month of December in the year of our Lord 2007. Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970 Solid State Radio, which was a foot once upon a time coin radio, was it not? Yep, that's uh, why I picked that one. That's fantastic. Uh, you can see that whole video, if you like, at RileyLive.com. It's the 50th anniversary tomorrow of that telecast. And so, so what was, I didn't have a chance to watch the whole thing. Is it like a, it's a Cold War, War thriller? About how we're going to be nuked by somebody? Yep, and all, all, the city is prepared, and they go under what, uh, underneath to their bunker. And uh, the city is, uh, well, the city is emptied out. And, and they do it calmly. Portlanders walk very calmly, single file. There are no problems whatsoever. And the way that the people of Portland conduct themselves is an example to us all in this Cold War. Of course. So you can see the whole video of A Day Called X, uh, narrated by Glenn Ford. Yeah. Uh, go to RileyLive.com. That is fantastic. The best part of that whole thing is how as he's describing it, the housewife, Jane, or whatever her name is, picks up the newspaper and immediately turns to the ladies' section. Because, and then he adds, because, of course, 
The front page is of no interest to her. <laughs> Being a woman at all. <laughs> <laughs> what with her tiny female brain. <laughs> she knows only how to cook cupcakes. <laughs> he brings home the bacon, but it's my job to cook it. Uh, all right. Fantastic. I yeah. Well, never mind. Um, in any event, she has four children to diaper. Of course, <laughs> I have lots of diaper runoff to get on the sofa. I better get cracking at it right now. Hey there, it's uh, Friday, and welcome to day twelve. Thank you for coming along. We're here in beautiful downtown Oregon. Uh, it's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Uh, for your comments, your clarifications, your conventions, your two cents, your what have you, uh, Richie Bristol is standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane, the stupid, or paranoid. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. A little something there. Pardon me, wait. There we go. 503-733-2970. Uh, if you want to email, you can do that as well. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah at 970.am. Uh, Tim at 970.am. Or Richie with a T at 970.am. So thank you all for coming by. Uh, it's Friday. Huge show coming up today. So here's... Let me just work backward today. Uh, so coming up later on in the 2 o'clock hour, we're going to welcome uh, KISS guitarist Tommy Thayer, uh, who will be in the studio today. Very exciting, Very exciting yeah. for you. It is badass. You know, it, you know who it's even more exciting for is uh, is our friend Dennis Pitsenbarger, who has been is he running be around stalking us. Well, not stalking us. We're sort of incidental. He will be stalking Tommy Thayer. Um, and for those who don't, uh, you, you don't know this. So the deal is Tommy Thayer, who um, when Ace Frehley uh, left the band, I think about 2001, I think there was, and I don't know whether he left. It was, you know, some sort of deal where he did, Ace was back, and then he was gone, and then he was back, and then he's gone again. Um, so Tommy Thayer had been, I think, you know, he'd been with the Kiss organization for a long time, and I think he'd been a guitar tech, and he'd written and produced a bunch of the, the you know, documentaries they put out. And then they were just like, well, we need, you know, we need a new guitarist. And Tommy stepped into the role. What makes that badass, of course, is he's from Beaverton. So there is a guy from Beaverton, a hometown boy, one might say, uh, you know, who now plays the sort of, you know, the spaceman role with Kiss, which is just fantastic. So he's going to be on uh, with us in the 2 o'clock hour. And Dennis has Have been... you already talked to Dennis about, like... Decorum? Yeah. About behaving himself? No, but I'm Dennis, like not if you're... bursting into the studio. You're listening now, Dennis. Here's what you don't... Please is don't... Is it my time yet? Don't... St- Hey, you ready for me? Uh, don't stand outside the window and stare in. And don't, yeah, and then you always, and it's always on me because I'm the only one that makes eye contact with me. Look at me, like, can I come in? Can I, is it okay if I come in? I don't know. Do not make eye contact with Miss Dillon. Do not stare at the floor. Refer to yourself only as five. The now, so, Dennis, you know we love you. But. He will stand in the hallway, though. But you're right about this. He'll stand you in the hallway. You don't ever have to see it. No, because Tim and I have our backs to the window, and you face the window. So I don't ever see him standing out there, and he does that thing of, yeah, pointing to himself and going, me? Is it? Is it me? And Am you and I, I haven't communicated sometimes, and I don't know if he's supposed to come in. He's like, should I come in? I'm like, I, you know. But, I, but, but that is a common behavior at every studio. Every time you get in the studio, yeah. and you have to, that's why I am so glad for home studios now. Because <laughs> I, I do a lot of tracks at home every so often. Even less communication with people than you used to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. Except for the dogs, and they don't speak. <laughs> They're welcome to sit in the studio at home. They don't say a word. Just the fortress of solitude. Um, so the uh, anyway, so so Dennis all week though has been 
He's been like, I'm going to get something for Tommy Thayer to sign, which is totally, you know, which is fine. I mean, you know, I'm a big Kiss nerd, no doubt about that. Uh, so I can totally identify with wanting to have him sign something, and it's even cooler that he is from here. Um, so Dennis, so he said, I got this great photo of Kiss that I'm going to get. To- I can't do Dennis's voice, but he's, I got this great photo of Kiss that I'm going to get Tommy Thayer to sign, and he shows it to me, and and I and I told him, I'm like, you know, and it was a, it was a, a Kiss photo from like '98, '99, and I'm like, you know, this, but. And Tommy Thayer must get this all the time. I'm like, you know, that's not him, though. That's still Ace Fraley. And I'm like, you don't want to be handing him a photo, you know, of Ace Fraley. Hey, can you sign this photo of a guy that's not you? And so I just, I told him, like, you got to find a photo from the last few years when Tommy was actually, like, a regular member of the band. Because um, it's, otherwise it's like having Dick Sargent sign a picture of Dickie York. And it's just it's awkward for everybody involved. Uh, by everybody, I mean us. So anyway, so Dennis, I do believe this is true. Dennis went online. And special ordered a picture of Kiss from like I don't know two years ago with Tommy Thayer, and I believe have it FedExed. I think he paid like eighty dollars to have it overnighted to him, so that he will now have it for Tommy Thayer from Kiss to sign today. So it's all very exciting. All right, so Kiss guitarist Tommy Thayer in the studio later. Uh, as part of that, we'll do um, uh, top five later on. Uh, top five Kiss songs you don't know but really ought to. Uh, Scott Daly will be here as well. He's got a review of that Golden Compass thing, which apparently. Is angering everybody because it, I guess it's terrible, so it doesn't matter. But apparently it's, you know, the whole blah, 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 polar bears, blah, 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 God is dead, whatever. Apparently it's a big piece of crap, so I, it doesn't, I, I, it's, the review is sort of incidental at this point, because I think Aaron was in the studio last week saying it was, the movie's just a big load. Um, let's see, uh, another pair of I Am Legend tickets today. That's Will Smith's I Am Legend, which is going to premiere Monday night. We'll be there for that. Lisa Desjardins. Uh, we'll join us today to talk about the uh, Mitt Romney speech. Let's see. Jim Roop from San Francisco, where Barry Bonds appeared in court this morning. Um, Jesus, what else? I think that might be it. That might be it for now. Also, oh, and I have the best headline in the history of the world right here. And I know it's great because I, I read this headline to Susan Reynolds yesterday. And just a headline, it, just without even knowing the details of the story, just the headline, it looked like she was going to lose her lunch for just a second. So it's fantastic. Uh, Tim Riley is working on the following stories for your edification today. Okay, so as we speak, I-5 is closed at Chehalis. Bam! And the reason for it is they want to prepare it to possibly, possibly open it up to everyone at noontime. That's not going to happen. So it was open for big rigs last night. Uh, Highway 34 up the coast is closed again after it was reopened. Apparently, uh, there's not much left to that road. A woman was accidentally killed while cleaning storm damage to her husband driving a pickup truck. Some kicker checks were mistakenly mailed early, but you can't cash them yet. They're post-dated. And, oh, and now the storm that we had is in Southern California. It is flooding and causing mudslides and evacuations in Orange County, the O.C. Oh, the president has no recollection of those destroyed CIA interrogations. Of course not. Uh, by the way, speaking of the OC, and I really never thought I would use that phrase Nobody again. Nobody calls it that down there. No. no. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> that's for people outside of there. That's like people in San Francisco, Detroit, you know. They don't, yeah, exactly. No one calls. If you, And I never, and I, I knew, like, not to do it, but I, I did have a friend of mine who called it Frisco one time, and he said, just the stink eye. You just get the the hairy eyeball. Sounds so rednecky. Dave, Dave Zinn today is wearing a The OC shirt. I swear to you, if you go to the front desk, you will see the gatekeeper, Dave Zinn, wearing a shirt that says, I think it's from the TV show. Uh, I'm pretty, it's like a promotional. It, it, like at any given time, about 80% of the people at a radio station are wearing a free item of clothing. Like Big Jim for the Marconi show, 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I dig that guy, but about mm-hmm. 80% of the stuff that guy wears, I mean, on any given day, I don't think I've ever seen Jim wear something that wasn't free. I don't mean that in a bad way. No, that's very true. It's all I've got free stuff going back to the 80s. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, with long forgotten colors. I mean, no, I, I mean I'm with that. Why put wear and tear on your own clothing? I mean, if you're just coming to work, yeah. it's not like you're going out on the town. If you're just coming to work, especially in a place where people can't really see you, why not just wear that free rock band T-shirt? You know what I mean? I got one. Why not do that? You know, I got a whole bunch of crap. I actually have at home. I should wear it someday. I should wear this for a photo. It's a Dr. Laura T-shirt, and it says, go take on the day. And then it says, like, you know, Dr. Laura or something. And, big, and there's, like, a big sunshine thing there. So, you know, what do you do? So Dave's in, I think. We must have had some promotional stuff years ago for the OC. So he's wearing his The OC shirt today. Um, All right. We're joined today, as are we always, by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dylan, hello. Hello. All right. So before we talk about last night, I'll let you gather your thoughts. And also, okay, I'm just well. saying, and also this, that uh, I have here an email from a listener. Uh, who was sitting right next to you, or near you at the game last night. Girl or guy? A man. Think about that for a second. While I read you this headline, I'll just let you gather your thoughts. Best headline of the day, this is from, um, let's see, I believe the Houston Chronicle. Yes. Now, this did not take place in Houston, but it's from the Houston Chronicle. Best headline of the day. Brain removal workers fall ill at Minnesota pork plant. Again, one more time, that's... Brain removal workers fall ill at Minnesota pork plant. I'm not, I haven't even read the rest of the story because I keep getting hung up on the headline, which is genius. All right. So uh, so last night, uh, you and uh, Brad the Car Guy and... Uh, oh, yeah, what's his name? Oh, yeah. Comedian and Sex and the City actor Craig Gass went to the Blazers game. We did. How was that? Who were they playing? Um, they're playing Miami. And did they lose? They won. Well, no, really? Really. It was a really good game. And Shaq was there, and he was huge. And in the place that we were at, we had binoculars. And, um, I could see a mollusk. Did you have, like, those old woman, like, uh, like opera spy glasses, like, on a handle? They're attached under the seat. So you reach them out, and they're attached by this metal chain that will snap back sometimes when you're holding them up. Now, let me just say, first of all, as we've noted before, that you get invited to things that, that we... The commoners aren't, aren't invited to. And that's not even really just, like, everybody. That's, like, even even things that I don't get invited to, like, you're there, which is fine. I don't have a problem with that. Well, people know better than ask me because I'm not going to show up anyway. That's the thing. I I, I mean, I recognize that. like, a block or two from my house, and nothing ever happens there. <laughs> I, do, I do know that if, even if I were invited, I wouldn't go. But I'm just saying uh, that Sarah does have an entree into some the different strata of the world sometimes. But it is sort of a weird... It's a weird thing if you think about the seats you were in at the Blazers game last night being essentially for those who are moneyed or perhaps in some sort of upper crust or have access. I'm you not know, moneyed. People who are wired a little bit because it's considered like a great like rich person seat, but you're actually so far away they're giving you binoculars. It's like Seriously. a weird uh, dichotomy there. So I've club seats before, and I'm like, you know, 15 rows in front of that, and I'm like, yeah. seriously, people are paying to be in a box. To be full, so like, high up, you need spectacles. Well, doesn't yeah. that, that sport have a good-sized ball? Well, I you're watching. Yeah. Can you see the ball being bounced? Is that the you idea? You can see game? the ball. True. Well, it, I think I just used the binoculars mostly to look at people. Paul Allen was sitting in the front <laughs> row. Really? Yeah. So I was just sitting there um, looking through all the I swear to God, I saw um, William Arnett for a second there. I thought it was him, but it wasn't him. Oh, so, yeah. Come on. Yeah. So I was basically not watching the game so much as much as I was, like, looking in the audience. Yeah, that makes it. sense. I can see you doing it. The sweet things, though, are really cool. They have all this uh, food and beer and Did you get water. your own private waitress or something, you said? Mm-hmm. Yeah, all right. Well, let me just read this email. Oh, uh, and then God. we'll because now I didn't 
Because you'd asked uh, Craig Gass to accompany you to no, the Blazers. No, actually, I didn't ask him. He asked me. Oh, really? I'm sorry. I didn't know that. I'm and glad you clarified that. And it wasn't a date. It, we're going all together in a group. Of course. It wasn't a date. It was simply a planned social activity. With the, Yeah, with Brad the a, car guy and Craig and I. Uh-huh. It was a uh, it was a planned uh, social activity with you and uh, and a guy who uh, who I'm sure has has only a platonic interest in you. Hey, this is Tracy Morgan. You'll listen to my favorite dude, Rick Emerson, right here on AM nine seventy. That's solid state radio. I don't think they play any music here, but I'll bring in some Shocker Khan records. Sarah, you want to? F- that's Tracy Morgan, though. Uh-huh. That's not... I know. That's it's, not no, it's in guy. character. It's, yeah. Uh, you wouldn't speak to her like that at all. Exactly. Oh, first, uh, although Seamus did make the greatest observation. I was looking at the MySpace thing last night. Seamus made the best observation. He said, wait a minute. So you can just say any sort of crude vulgarity to a woman as long as you use it like a wacky voice? If you just say it in like a funny cartoon voice, you can get away with anything? But that and, wasn't him saying it. Uh, that was his character. Oh, no, he wouldn't have said anything like uh, that. So you're saying that Tracy Morgan wants to have sex with you? It's true. Uh-huh. And this email says, Rick, I went to the game last night and found myself sitting above and to the left of the lovely Miss Dillon. I had a great view of the skybox where she was sitting. Out of respect for her, I will not give any details of her evening, except to say that she was wearing big hoop earrings and a funky blue hat and looked very nice and seemed to be having a really good time. She did seem to be touching her hair a lot. Doesn't that mean something? No. Uh, it signed, keeps in uh, my face. Uh-huh. <laughs> to hair my face. Uh huh. That's from Scott. Scott, somebody or other. So, Scott. So, was it a good time had by all? It was really fun. Um, that guy eats so much. Craig Gas. Craig. Not only did we have a full buffet in our in in the room, he had like three hot dogs. A whole order of like chicken teriyaki stuff, like Fantastic. all all kinds of like bread and things. He just kept on ordering. He just kept eating and eating. Yeah, so Brad and I were ordering cocktails, and he just kept ordering more and more food. <laughs> was he paying for anything? No. Well, there you go. That's why. Yeah. Why not? I mean, who knows? I mean, I don't know. Maybe comedy's a rough world. Maybe I he did kind of have a, a little problem at the end. Please to tell. Okay. So we're in, you know, like this. this I have a little suite. speech that I give a suitor when they're <laughs> wanting more than I'm prepared to give. <laughs> um, no, we were all sitting there in the skybox. Two minutes left. It's tied. The Blazers finally uh, get ahead one point, and it's like, okay, it's, it's the end of the game. Craig turns and looks at Brad and I, and he's like, do you mind if we leave? I want to I uh, beat the beat rush. The I want to make sure that we're not. So we missed the end of one of the greatest games that they played in a long time because Craig wanted to beat the rush and get back to his car so he could drive back to Vancouver and sleep. What an exciting night. Well, I, I ended up going out with Brad after that, but... Um, yeah, so we had to leave two minutes early. And, you know, we told him, he's like, would you guys mind? And we're both like, no, we don't mind. But it's like, really, Look, what are you supposed to say? And, like, you, well, you, and you don't want to be like, no, sit down, shut up. You, I mean, you have to sort of cater the evening around him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And Brad was super stoked to meet him because he's been a fan of his on CERN for years. Right, right. So right. that was my only my only thing. I was just a little, I was a little disappointed. Well, I, Because I'm not a fair weather, like if I go to see something, I don't like the... Um, stay to the end. You're there to, you're there to the end. I've gone with game. many people who scream at people for leaving calling them fair weather fans, so I have that in my head. Well, that's so like I never you go to see really. a band and it's like you just check out halfway through the show. Like mm-hmm. that's if you go, you go. You, you just stick it out through the whole evening. About him eating though, I can totally see it because he's not, a, he's not a fat guy. But you can you can totally you can see that he's you know that he probably has to fight that off. I, I mean not only myself. I talk a lot about food. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, he's you know you you can tell that that's a guy who uh, that's a guy who probably if he decided to really let himself go, mm-hmm. it would probably only take three or four months for him to really become a sphere. Well, and he wasn't slovenly or anything at all. He's just he's just the bottom. Let's yeah. Excuse me, waiter. Yeah. And Brad and I are like vodka soda, bourbon. Yeah, totally. uh, can I get another I get hot more, dogs? <laughs> can I get more ribs over here? Yeah. Thank you. You just keep them coming. Fantastic. Oh, Barry Bonds pleads not guilty. Oh, really? Just in. Yep. God, Jim Root must hate his life. I mean, he really bit the. Jim Root, because he's bouncing from one trial to another, where people who are, my opinion, protected by the First Amendment, people who are clearly guilty of things, plead not guilty. Jesus, I mean, first, Root has to cover Jackson, who pleads not guilty, my opinion, clearly guilty. Then he has to cover O.J., pleads not guilty, you know, who was found guilty at one point. Then he has to cover Phil Spector, pleads not guilty, clearly guilty in my opinion. Then he has to cover O.J. again, not guilty, but clearly guilty. And now Barry Bonds. Rube must just, it, it's it, all celebrity justice. Seriously, Rube must just must just crave a gun. I mean, he really just must itch for a gun like half half the you know half the time he's there awake. There haven't been any serial killings in L.A. Well, who knows how long? Well, it's time to try to reverse that trend apparently. Uh, so a couple other things to get to today. I just got a, a, a pile of stuff that we'll kind of work away through. First of all, my uh, condolences and pity to anybody who had to cross the, the Ross Island Bridge today. How did you get here, Hawthorne? Yeah. I mean, Jesus. What happened? I know everybody says this every time there's a bathroom, but I do believe it's the worst traffic that I've ever seen on the Ross Island Bridge. Um, it, God, and I left the house, and it's that thing where, you know, you turn on the Powell, and you immediately look ahead. Like, you can't see the traffic until you get on the Powell, and then by that time, it's too late. You know, you turn, and you, you turn under the busy road, and you look, and you go, oh, God, no. And I actually did swear out loud in the car. I turned on the Powell, and I went, oh, holy F. You know, and then, and I was like, "Oh, can I reverse? Can I get off Powell?" And I look at my rearview mirror, and there's already three cars behind me. And I'm like, "That's oh, it. I'm yeah. screwed." Just inching along, inch by excruciating, agonizing, maddening, infuriating inch. It took me. I spent. And you know where I live. It's like you know, in clear traffic, like three in the morning. That is a five minute drive mm-hmm. from my house to the station. It took me seventy five minutes. This morning, over an hour, and it was I was on the bridge for so long that at one point my low fuel light dinged on. Ooh! I'm driving, and I'm you know there's like a thousand there's cars. There's one of those like once a year. I remember being trapped Jeez. in that once. And of course, and but when the fuel light, you know, you look to hear that ding, and you look down, and it's like you have fuel, and I never know how much fuel that means. I always assume it's none. I always assume it's like I've had a fuel for a hundred yards. Like Thirty. 30 miles? See, I don't know. I really don't know the answer. And then, but, but then you live in fear of being that guy. You live in fear of, like, you know, of, of you know the KGW reporter going, and to top it all off, one motorist had, and, you know, mishap of another kind. And then they show me going, you know, on the side of the road, like with my idiot car broken down. Bingo, AAA, they'll bring you guests. Well, I, it, yeah, but I mean, in the middle, but they, like, they would never even get to me. It, it, oh. Like a place like this morning, because it's like the traffic is so bad. The AAA, you know, would never even have been able to get to me. Um, so I finally, so so I, we finally creep past that Shell station that it's that's about like at, at uh, uh, what is it, in Milwaukee or whatever. Um, and I finally pull off, and then of course that sucks because you're giving up your place in line. Um, and by the way, let me just say this: I don't know at what point they started asking you for your zip code when you buy gas. Do you know what I'm talking about? First time it's ever happened. I always lie whenever anybody asks me anything I, I don't want to get. Okay, me too, but I had no cash on me today. Um, I know I'm I know I'm doing a story inside the story, but I pull up and I gotta get gas because I don't want to break down. You know, I don't want my car to stop running on the Ross Island Bridge. I pull in to to get gas, 
and I have no cash, so I give the guy the credit card, and he goes, and he says, well, you know, what's your zip code? And I was just, like, I'm like, you, I reflexively lie about any of that. That's why the supermarket thinks that my name is Mr. Garcia. Uh, the and but the guy says, um, what's your zip code? And I said, nine one nine one niner, you know, or whatever. I just lied about it, and he goes, and he comes back, and he goes, uh, perhaps your zip code is something else. And I said. Nine seven two zero one. Yep, it's the I station. always give the station. That's the code. station, and he comes back and he's like, "That's not." And I and I found this out. I said, "What?" I'm on the phone trying to answer my email, trying to catch up for the fact that I'm like an hour late to work, and and I, I finally said, "What do you need my zip code for?" And he goes, "Well, credit card won't work without it." And at that point, I I was screwed because I had no cash. Where was this? It was um, it was the uh uh uh, uh the Shell station. On, you know, by that, if you're going down Powell, there's like that. The one the right at the wash, corner of, like, Milwaukee? Yeah, the wash man is right there and the jack-in-the-box. Well, what if you have a card? Because I have multiple addresses for, like, right. my card. I, yeah, I don't know. It's just, but I finally gave him my home zip code because I just felt like I had no choice. Like, I had the low, ga- if I had had, like, even a quarter tank, I would have just left. Because it's not because, like anybody's going to figure anything out. I just hate having to give information about myself. I realize the credit card has everything about me, but it's just like... I don't mean to sound paranoid about it, but it's just like the creep of information demanding. Uh, that's not even a sentence. But, but you know what I mean? It's like it, it's just this sort of slow creeping of like wanting more and more information about you to buy like something that has nothing to do with where I live. So anyway, uh, and then so I finally got back into Powell, and then it's just creep, 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 you know, one inch at a time across. And then, of course, I get under Ross, uh, to the actual Ross Island Bridge, and there's no accident. There's no whatever. It, 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 there's about... I don't know. I would say 50 yards of one of the lanes that is cordoned off with with those yellow cone or the orange cones, and there's what looks to be like an electrical truck from the city sitting there. And I swear to you, just some workers sitting there leaning against the truck, talking, doing nothing. Nothing is what they were doing. Not a goddamn thing that I could see. So that sounds for that. like my frustration when the Hawthorne Bridge, when I'm going to work, and the bridge goes up for goddamn 20 minutes and goes down. And no, then there's no boat. <laughs> there's no boat. Half the time I'm going through, there is no boat. And I'm sitting there, and I am so angry at the You're person. You're pounding your steering wheel. I am, and I, I'm like Mother. flipping off the person in the bridge. And I know that it's not their problem. I know it's not their fault, but I feel at that moment that it's their choice to test the boat. Totally. Right then, or to exactly. test the bridge. Uh, I know, and I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to knock on city workers. I'm sure the city workers were doing something this morning. I just couldn't see what it was. They should they were just be pretending to do something because road rage exactly, you're all waiting. Exactly. Just act like you're doing something. Act like you are working. Sitting there leaning against the truck, and again, and for only like a, like 50 yards of the of the lane that was blocked off. Oh, it's just always a bad... A bad morning. Because I hate getting to work late because then you feel like you're playing a little bit of catch-up all day. You just, I mean, all day long you feel behind. Jesus. Uh, All right, well, let's do these calls, then we'll break. Uh, Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Rick, how we doing today? What's up? Hey, uh, I had two quick questions for you and then a great story. Okay. You know when you go into, like, a Target or a Fred Meyer and there's uh, little bastard kids screaming all the time? Kind of makes you not want to have children? Yes. That's one. How about uh, people driving with cell phones? That infuriate you? No, not really, because I am that guy. I use my cell phone all the time while driving. Well, when when they need to be paying attention, you know what I'm saying. I you know there's I mean like I don't text or anything while I drive, you know, or do, uh-huh. trying to do, but uh, I totally use my cell phone when I drive. I'm unashamed about that. Well, I can't I can't say that I don't. But anyway, the story is we go to Zoo Life last night down there at the zoo, you know. Uh huh. And we're riding the train. Have you guys ever been to this? No. 
Tim, well, anyway, lights? that's the thing that people do with children, right? Yeah, yeah, I think I have yeah. reproduced, so no. You can't well, no, I, I went with a couple girls last night anyway, so. But uh, All right, sorry, Leia, go ahead. <laughs> anyway, we're riding the train, and uh, this kid's, like, leaning out to look at the lights and falls out of the train. Yeah! I mean, yeah, believe that's that. terrible. I, I knew you'd get a kick out of that. No, wait, was he injured? I, I don't know, because everybody began yelling, <laughs> stop, stop. Because and the I looked train back. just left him behind. No, I hopped out of the moving train and stopped the conductor, and guess what? He's on his cell phone. Uh, of course. Of and course. I'm like, I'm like, who do you think you are, Casey Jones? Stop the damn train. <laughs> okay, it's all worth it for that reference right there. Well done. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Have a good day, Rick. Who do you think you are? Casey Jones. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick, um, on that zip code thing, I think the entire point is it's kind of a security thing, so nobody steals your credit card and starts pumping up $100 worth of gas on your freaking card. Well, I guess, but I mean, the zip code, I mean, there's, you know, it's not like there's a whole ton of zip codes in Portland. I mean, if somebody mugs me outside my home, they're going to know my zip code anyway. I, I, I mean, no, it's true. I, I think in Oregon, it doesn't make a lot of sense since we don't even pump our own gas. Now, right. I went to Washington recently, and I had to do that, and I kind of get that because... You know, there's nobody out there monitoring, you know, and you could use any schmuck I mean, card. But here's the thing. Here's what doesn't make sense about that. And, again, I understand that me giving a guy a zip code doesn't really matter. It's not like he can do anything with that. It just sort of bugs me because it is emblematic of the whole thing about them wanting more information from you. To Like, uh, Radio Shack used to be the worst about this, and they've dropped it now because nerds are especially freaky about their security. Radio Shack used to be a lot of you'd buy, like, a cable, and they'd be like, okay, what's your home phone number? And yeah. I used to get so angry about it. But here's my thing with credit cards. You know what? Just ask to see my ID. In fact, frankly, I would prefer that they ask to see my ID anyway. I don't know if you, you, never, do, you ever do that where you go to like, uh, you know, you go to the convenience store or whatever, and you buy whatever, 20 bucks worth of stuff on the card, and you swipe the card through, and they never bother to verify. I always thank people when they ask to see my identification. Oh, yeah. My wife's card's been stolen. They used it and stuff, so I'm totally with you. Yeah. But, like, outside of Oregon... If you go to a gas station and put your card in, there is no one out there to monitor it. Well, I mean, there's just, you know, there's some schmo behind the counter, you know, selling Slurpees. Okay, well, it. that does make sense. No, 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 that that, that, that makes sense. I can see now, that. Now, in the state of Oregon, it makes no sense because there is some dude there pumping your gas. And, I've, you know, I write home like, you know, credit card, check ID. And I've had a couple dudes, you know, when they go to pump my gas, say, hey, can I check your ID? And they always freaks me out. They actually do it. Yeah, no, I can see that. In Oregon, they should check your ID. But in other states, I can totally see the zip code thing because there's nobody out there. It's an automated system. That does make yeah. sense. You have won me over on that point, sir. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Rick. All right, one more, and then we have to break. We'll come back with uh, Lisa Desjardins and a couple other callers. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, how you doing? Hello. Hey, I just want to say, Sarah, thank you so much for just saying that about the Hawthorne Bridge, because that just happened to me like 10 minutes ago. We were to a meeting, and the bridge went up, and oh. it was just driving me nuts. I didn't see any boat anywhere. I thought I was insane. Yeah, and I'm never as angry if there's a boat. If there's a boat, sometimes I can understand it, but like 90% of the time for me, there's no boat, and I'm like, I'm late for work now because there's no boat because you jackasses uh, do this right now. I know. Yeah. It's, it's like I rented the guy in front of me because I was too busy looking for the boat that wasn't there. The 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 Hawthorne Bridge going up for the boat that isn't there. That is, uh, I mean, it makes me angry too. That is Sarah's version of my pet hate, which is the red hooded parking meters that are not being used by anyone. They're okay. not doing any work. The city isn't doing any construction. There's no city vehicle there. They're not digging anything up. They're not filling anything. They're not replacing anything. They are not restringing anything. And yet the parking meters are all blocked off for no reason well, at all. They're, they're actually doing one one big thing. Oh. They're, they're keeping you from parking there. Yes, they are. 
They ought to just uh, put that, though. Red-hooded parking. Why is it hooded up? Well, so you no can't park parking. here. Yeah. All right, thank you. All right, you. great show. One more thing, Sarah. Yeah. Bye. Bye. All right, thanks. Bye now. All right, back after this with Lisa Desjardins. Coming up at noon, Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Later on, the top five Kiss songs you really ought to love. Scott Daly, Tommy Thayer from Kiss, and I am Legend Tickets. You stay. The Rick Emerson Show coming up here in a scotch, by the way. Well, not in a scotch. It's coming up sometime today. We'll try to play. Uh... Is it Corey Feldman or Corey Haynes? Corey Feldman. Jingle Bell Rock by Corey Feldman. Because, you know, I know everybody's wanted to hear that. Oh, apparently, by the way, that, um, uh, that, uh, that family or that couple in Missouri, the MySpace couple, apparently the community is shunning them now. So that's good. Got a whole story about that. Um... And just as a brief observation before we bring Lisa Desjardins on, uh, I have to say this is why I love our engineers. This is really, this really is why it, the engineers are just cut from a wholly separate cloth, from a different. They are cut from a separate cloth from a different fabric store in a different spiral arm of the galaxy. I uh, had sent uh, Matt Green, our engineer, about um, who bears a kind of a startling resemblance to Jim Henson, by the way. Um, an email about how some of our doors, uh, like in Richie's uh, room and then in the bathroom, you would grab the door handle and it would just like, come off in your hand. And I said, hey, I know you're rekeying some of the locks in the building today. Uh, why don't you, uh, you know, why don't you let the guy know that we got a couple of these handles fixed? And see, he sends me back the greatest email. I get this from like his handheld or whatever last night. He says, those items have been repaired. God damn, I love engineering. It smells like victory. All caps. I love Matt. He's fantastic. He really is. And he doesn't lose his cool, and anytime you need something done, it's just... Completely calm. No, oh, yeah. He's, he's exactly the guy you want as an engineer. So there you go. You get the feeling the building could be on fire, and just massive radioactive... And he'd be whistling, and... Totally, yeah. And just like, and just like a huge, massive, mutated aphids could be storming the building armed with machine guns and laser death beams, and Matt just be like, well, I'm going to go get my... Uh, my soldering iron and, uh, I don't know, my headphones. We'll, uh, we'll look at this. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. All right, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. From the hills, CNN Radio correspondent to the stars, Lisa Desjardins. Good morning, Lisa. How are you? Good morning. You know, at CNN, CNN is actually divided into two divisions. One is engineering and the other is everyone else. Yeah, oh, no, of course. And engineering, I mean, engineering wisely was like, yeah, whatever, guys, we're going to go over here. <laughs> well, they are sort of, they do realize that there's that thing about how an army travels on its stomach, but a radio station, any sort of broadcasting entity travels on the backs of its engineers. Right, right. Um, and so the engineers uh, rightly know that the rules just don't apply to them, and they do operate with their own, they, they have their own paradigm in which they function. Right, so, there's none of us involved in uh, in their pay raises. And I'm going to say, I'll tell you this right now, we've been really, really lucky uh, for most of our time in Portland to have had great engineers. We had a guy named uh, Mike Everhart who was an engineer for us for a long time, who was fantastic. And then here at CBS, we've got just one great engineer after another. I mean, just, they're all fantastic. And I'm not just saying that to sort of wax their car. I'm saying it because I have had engineers who were bad. I have yes, in the true. past. True. There was this engineer who I won't name, and... It, I mean, it, it, things could be falling apart. I mean, literally, honestly, pieces of equipment could be just falling out of the ceiling and crashing to the ground Hindenburg style. And you would go find him and you'd, he'd say, well, what, what seems to be the problem? And you'd say, well, I, I don't know. I pressed the uh, on button on the microphone. And as soon as I did that, the floor fell out from underneath me and the seventh seal was broken and the angel of death appeared. <laughs> and And his response was always the same. He would say, 
Well, let me know if it happens again. <laughs> I mean, he's like, I need you to fix it. And then he would look, and then he would turn around, and like his Romulan cloaking device would have gone on. <laughs> and it's, you know, and you'd be like, I don't know, my headphone jack is, my headphone jack seems to be sending bolts of electricity into my brain. And, you know, and he would just be gone, you know, Kaiser Soze style. So. Kaiser Soze, very and nice. Just, anyway. Um, so I'm just going to read you a little something here. This is from a, uh, my friend Chris Neathan, who does, um, does a, a blog about, uh, he writes a lot about politics, and, the, and he and I kind of talk about Great. this stuff a lot. And he made an observation. This is his observation about Mitt Romney's speech. Good, okay. His assessment is this. He says... Uh, he says Romney really fell on his face with this. Uh, Mormons have been trying for years to gain mainstream acceptance. Now they have the chance, and their number one guy, who is more famous than either Gordon Hinckley, uh, the church president, or Steve Young, won't answer a single question. He was a stake president for crying out loud, and yet he responded to nothing. And that does seem to be... I mean, maybe it is advantageous in a political sense, but that does seem to be, be the impression that a lot of people come away with from Mitt Romney is that he is just very slippery and just doesn't want to commit... To anything, it's true. You, there are people. There are a lot of people who think that, and I think I think the problem with yesterday's speech is the extremes on Mitt Romney both saw something. And this happens in any political speech these days. This, this is what goes on: is, is is folks who already thought he was shifty, couldn't be trusted, said, "Hey, you know what? You read the speech, and he never really gets into his beliefs. He says he believes that Jesus is the Son of God, uh, and he believes the Savior of mankind, but doesn't get into the specifics of Mormonism." You know, but I think his defenders would say John F. Kennedy didn't do that, and that's not what these guys should be doing. I don't want to hear Mike Huckabee talk about the specifics of being a Baptist preacher. I want to hear him talk about what he's going to do for this country, and that's what that's what Romney's argument was yesterday. But you're right; some people out there aren't, aren't buying it and saying we needed to hear more from you about Mormonism because you're a smaller religion, two percent of the population, and some people call you a cult. So I think he's ha he is having some trouble. But I, I don't know. I, I think overall, I don't think he lost a lot of ground yesterday. It, I don't know it, how much he gained, but I don't think he lost much. It does seem like for a lot of the country, it was just sort of an under-the-radar thing. I think probably the people that that speech mattered most to uh, were perhaps the evangelicals, because they're the ones who were sitting out there deciding, deciding who to, behind whom to throw their considerable weight. Um, but I, and, and you can tell how much clout and how important the evangelicals are to the right wing base because the number of very pointed religious questions to any to all the candidates, not just Romney, I mean, it's just more and more frequently. I know that Huckabee has been asked several times in the last week whether he thinks Mormons are Christians, um, and right. he's kind of tap dancing and he won't answer the question. I know that during the he was the, you know the, he got uh, they all got hit with the do you believe the Bible is the literal word of, word of God question, and Huckabee has come the closest to saying yes I do, but even he won't fully commit to that because he knows that as soon as you fully commit to a position like that, that's when they can just come in and begin to take you apart piecemeal. So it it shows how. It, it, it really is, you know, like a, like a sort of the, the dating game or whatever that is, where there's like nine guys on stage, and the evangelicals are over behind a curtain, you know, asking them questions, and then based on that, they're going to you know, decide which person they go to the malt shop with. This is my question to you. That, well, I have two questions here. My first is, do you really think the how important are they, everyone like saying evangelical Christians? And I'm not even sure exactly who all that covers because it's such a broad term now. Um, but how important is the Christian right? In this Republican race, what are, do you think? Are you really asking me I'm a asking political you question? What you think? <laughs> um, 
I, you know, I said by all, according to all accounts, uh, you know, in 2004, they were, I mean, they were, they were crucial. Um, and you heard all of this talk about how, you know, and a lot of this is sort of, Carl Rove kind of is the Kaiser Soze of the GOP in that everything that happens everywhere you sort of hear ascribed to him. Um, but you, you heard a lot of how in, in various states there were a lot of um, social issues on the ballot, be it gay marriage, be it medical marijuana, be it whatever. And there was a, a lot of discussion about how Carl Rove sort of engineered to have these very hot-button social issues there simply to make sure that as many uh, extreme right, let's say the Christian base, got to the polls as possible because once they were there, he knew that they would also vote uh, at least against John Kerry and for George W. Bush. So... It, That's the thinking. It I mean, does. It, I mean, it does seem like the GOP themselves believe that the evangelicals are crucially important, which I guess the candidates by, do. Yeah, right. by dint of that, it does make them important. I think that I really do question that honestly because. I, I'm not sure. I think perhaps the Christian right is still going to vote, but I don't think it's the same block it used to be. I know many people who are very active in, say, the you know pro-life. I'm supposed to say uh, anti-abortion rights groups, and and I think they really the the wind has been taken out of their sails for a couple of reasons. I think one, they are very happy with Bush's appointment to the Supreme Court, which was really what they've been fighting about for a long time. They still have some concerns about uh, court appointees, and you'll hear Republicans talk about judges a lot. But I think the other is they really were disappointed by Bush, and I think they they still don't know quite how to feel about it because they still feel like he is a leader who you know make, is very decisive, which is what they wanted, but. The way everything went in Iraq, I think there's just a lot of really tough feelings there, and I, I think that there is just not the momentum coming from that group as there as there was in 2000 and not in 2004. But we'll see. I think they're voting on other issues. I, I think they're still going to vote, but I don't think they're as they're not in the same place they were, and, and so worried about about uh, abortion, for example. I, I think it's still a very big concern, but I think economics is playing a very big concern, and so is foreign policy to that same group. So we'll see. That's just my theory. I'm just testing it out on you. It's possible, but I, I will say this, that even if they do feel a little bit betrayed by George Bush or they feel like they were sold a bill of goods, you know, that he didn't necessarily follow through on what he promised or at least implied to them, it does seem, and this is just my read on the situation, that probably the fear uh, and loathing that Hillary Clinton inspires is probably enough. You know, you know <laughs> what I mean. It is. It is. You've got something there. It is very much that the enemy of my enemy is my friend thing, and and I gotta think. You know that, that, that no matter how they feel about the Bush that's administration not just or the Bush's conservatives, that's the whole a whole bunch of conservatives. But, uh, yeah, in particular, you're and, right. And so it does become a question of, uh, you know, are they going to get their ducks in a row and and put in. Uh, you know, somebody who they have their disagreements with. I mean, Jesus, the idea that Pat Robertson was on television with his arm around Rudy Giuliani, who is a social liberal on almost every uh, on almost every front. Yeah. Um, it's about other issues. It's about security, economics. I don't think so. See, I, I really I really think for a lot of people it is. I think it's about those people to society as a whole, uh, about those issues to society as a whole. But I do think to a lot of people, it really is simply and solely some uh, some moral struggle that they perceive Hillary Clinton to be the crux of. I do believe that she is seen to be emblematic uh, of a much that she is a microcosm of and a like, social struggle. Is, what is Pat, it, you, is it true? Are we talking about is it is it moral? Is it religious? Is it ethical? Is it kind of this Washington cult? I feel like she. She crosses a lot. The people who don't like Hillary don't like her for a lot of 
uh, very generalized reasons that have to do with all those, but it's not all religious or moral. Sometimes it does get into culture and sort of the culture of politics these days that she that she hits as well. I think it is what Pat Buchanan termed the culture war. He's the guy who I I think he's the first person I know to have used that phrase. He may have coined that phrase actually. Um, I wonder if he did. He may have. He in one of his you know one of his twice yearly books about how America is in the last stages of its empire. It's true. Of course, highly critical Pat Buchanan of uh, the president and the CIA on this Iran. Uh, intelligence estimate. You know, we haven't even talked about this CIA interrogation tape now. Oh, which is now? What is it that? Is this a thing where they caught Bush in the White House, like with a VCR taping taping over it with episodes of Guiding Light or something? <laughs> he, was... he, well, you know, originally he actually had he had bought a handy cam to video <laughs> interrogations. Yes. And then, but he got bored with that, so he right. <laughs> Uh, well, this is, this is right when they were coming under fire for having all of these, what they call, um, I think, advanced or extreme interrogation techniques, which I believe is a way to not use the word torture. And what, and they just got, they just chucked it all into a shredder or something, right? They just got rid of it all. Yeah, who not ran over it with a car? I don't know what they did, but they destroyed these tapes of interrogations of two top terror suspects. And, and in fact, these two suspects are the guys that they say, they say these interrogations led uh, the U.S. to find Khalid Sheikh Mohammed. He, you know, he he's the guy uh, with uh, with the questionable hair who is considered to be the mastermind of September 11th. So these interrogations were pretty pivotal. The CIA says the reason they uh, destroyed them is to protect the interrogators against possible terrorist backlash. Now, other others in Congress are saying outright today, and this shows the level of mistrust that we have now in our government. Senator Dick Durbin, I talked to him in a, about two hours ago, and he said, that's not true. He said, I, I don't believe that for a second. You, you're telling me you couldn't block out the faces on those yeah. videotapes? No, it's impossible. It can't be done. It can't, can't possibly be done by the CIA. No. Right. So, so there is... There's a lot of heat on this issue right now, and I think you should expect to see hearings as soon as next week on this. And the CIA is really going to be grilled, and it's going to get to who knew what when. It sounds like, however, since this was, we're talking about a couple of tapes here, it's questionable if even the CIA director at the time, Porter Goss, knew. You would think so, but uh, it, he says he didn't. It does seem like all of the, the governmental statements that we've heard over the last 18 months about things like this, like they ought to come with a rim shot. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Just like there ought to be a guy, and like, you know, you know, Gene Krupa ought to be over. No, it's impossible to block out the faces. <laughs> no, it can't be done. No, I. Uh, it's not. I had no idea Iran had stopped their weapons program. <laughs> no, thanks. You're huh? a great audience. No, thank you. So right. So it, it has not been a great week for the intelligence community. It's been two. In fact, I mean, it's been two days, one day after another, of of just bowling balls dropping on top of the intelligence community or dropping out of the intelligence community. Oh. If you want to look at it. All right. Uh, just as a final note here, and just to, to dovetail back to the uh, to the Hillary thing for a second, because I am all right. it, man. We're not even in 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 '08 yet, and it's just like an all-consuming thing for me. It's I <laughs> I really have to really? I have to modulate my political discussion and and the the amount to which I let myself become excited right now just like I have to modulate my caffeine intake <laughs> because otherwise I just will hyper myself into a frenzy and get nothing done um, but I will say this that Che Guevara said this great thing one time about I have to paraphrase it, but Che Guevara said this said this great thing about never underestimate uh, the the power, the motivational power of hatred in terms of war or conflict. He said, you know, in order to be successful or to prevail in any sort of conflict, it does become necessary to uh, hate your enemy before you know. And he said, for that is the strongest motivational force. 
And there's this maximum politics that people vote out of fear, but I do believe, as Hunter Thompson did, that fear and hatred are very closely intertwined and they're very concentric. I do believe that, and I said this in 2004, and I think it was kind of true then, but I think it is absolutely true now, that 2008 is really shaping up to be this year of the, it's like some WWE wrestling SmackDown cage match rivalry spectacular thing where, because I, I do believe that for uh, the far left, this is a chance to really stick it to everybody that they perceive to be their enemy because they know that nothing will irritate my in-laws more than putting another Clinton in the White House, especially a Clinton who is perceived by many people just to be the devil incarnate. Uh, and for that reason, I do think that the extreme right sees this as the point where the line in the sand must be drawn. You know, that the line must be drawn here and no further. <laughs> and, and And I really think that Hillary Clinton is, I'm not going to say that, She's. I'm not trying to say that she's, she's a pawn or unimportant, but I do believe that it is much larger than than just Hillary. I think Hillary is. Uh, well, she's a she benchmark. Become a symbol for for a group who, right? Exactly. Yeah. Who Be have that welled up feeling of disgust? Yeah. Out another group. Because there's a whole bunch of people in the middle, as you noted, who simply just you know they don't want to lose their job and they want to be able to put their kids through college and, and you know and, and it, all of the it just you have all of that sort of not crazy you, about war. Yeah, and they just want to wake up and live their life and be left alone and not have their taxes hiked. But on each. But on uh, on each end of the spectrum, at the far left and the far right, there is a group of people who have just been sharpening their knives for the past four years, and this is what it's all come down to. And that's uh, that's why you're seeing this get so brutal uh, so early, because I think everybody sees this as the best chance they will ever have to just absolutely jam it down the throats of the opposition and to, to spike the ball. To add to the rotating quote machine, uh, you know, Stephen Sondheim said, scary is exciting. Oh, no, I'm with you on that. Absolutely. And that's, that's what's going on. Exactly. Uh, to, to finalize this, speaking of scary, have you seen The Mist yet? No, you know, I, but I brought this up at dinner. I, we, this is going to discuss you. We actually have taco night on Wednesday nights with a couple of our friends. Taco night. We do have taco night. We have taco night when I was younger every Sunday night. That's fantastic. You guys should say, it's fantastic. Tacos are delicious. And but so we had had taco night two nights ago, and I said, guys, we got to see the mist. The Emerson Nation is crazy about the mist. First of all, they, they were Emerson Nation was was questioned, but then uh, then they said, how come the previews, the, the you know the promos just don't look like it's that amazing of a film? And I said, guys, we got to see it. Excellent. So I'm, I'm fighting hard. Excellent. There you go. Well, we appreciate it. By the way, this email says, Rick, you know what makes Lisa so great? It's that she knows how to relate to your audience. Case in point, she knew that we would only knew who Khalid Sheikh Mohammed was by referring to him as, quote, the one with questionable hair. Genius. <laughs> so there you go. I was going to make a Nick Nolte reference there, too, but... Uh... See, there you go. That's See, you know you know how to play in the Rick Emerson wheelhouse. <laughs> That's really what uh, reminds me uh, of. Yeah. All right. Enjoy your weekend. Big plans? Um, big plans. What am I doing this weekend? Oh, going to see my sister. Getting the Christmas tree and uh, lots of family stuff. Fantastic. Well, uh, enjoy your weekend, and we will talk to you in the immediate future. Excellent. All right, thank you. Lisa Desjardins, ladies and gentlemen. And now let us quickly uh, go to Tim Riley, who I do believe has some breaking news. You can now drive an I-5. Semis and cars are once again moving, but very slowly, along the lanes of I-5 through Chehalis, it is very slow going. That's because hundreds of semis got back on the road after spending three days at truck stops. So they're maintaining uh, speeds of 15 to 20 miles an hour along the portion of highway reduced to a single lane in each direction with no barriers of separation. Ooh, 
This sounds a little chancy. This, this seems like a okay, like so, final destination waiting to happen. Okay, so there is no division between the two lanes <laughs> with semis and passenger cars sharing the road. Okay. okay. Drive safely, please. So once again, I and Pine is reopened to all traffic. Everybody, everybody get on the road. Don't think you're going to get anywhere quickly. All right. So it, it would have been opened uh, much quicker had the state been arguing with the local towns over who's going to pay for all this. Fantastic. So once again, I-5 has just reopened to everybody. All right. So we will uh, do this. We'll come back. Uh, Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth later on. Uh, I am Legend Tickets. Tommy Thayer from KISS. Scott Daly, uh, the top five. And Jim's Roop. Jim's Roop. Jim Roop. Little <laughs> my girl. Eve's Plum. Need some coffee. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Don't go anywhere. Oh, 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 oh. Hello there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. 503-733-2970. Mere moments. We go to the Ministry of Truth. Later on, Tommy Thayer from KISS. Uh, James Roop, who is in San Francisco. You know, you know that, that James Roop inflection that I began doing is totally from Mystery Science Theater, too. It's from um, it's from this island Earth. And that guy goes, Rick Ruth. And Tom Sharper goes, Rick Ruth. Totally where I got that. Uh, yeah, tickets to I Am Legend will do the top five KISS songs you really ought to love. Uh, Scott Daly will be here as well. Did you delete your Facebook thing? I sure did. You canceled it. It's gone. Done. Yes, I'm sorry if anybody was friends with me on Facebook. I didn't delete you. I just don't have an account In anymore. Your face. How right. are people supposed to know where to buy a good pair of shoes? <laughs> uh, at the Ministry of Truth, the golden wit of Tim Riley. It's time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. All right. Who's ready for the slog to Seattle? Me. All right. I-5 is reopened. But you got to Share the road, one line in both directions, and no divider in between the two north and southbound lanes. What could go wrong? With all these 18-wheelers that have been cooped up at, uh, you know, the old choke and puke truck stop for days now, <laughs> waiting to get back on the road. Hundreds of them. Well, there's nothing to do but sit here and snort meth. Mm-hmm. So, apparently, uh, traffic's about 50 miles an hour. But, but who would want to put themselves in that position? Uh, really, honestly, well, that's, again, that's like volunteering to put yourself on the Ross Island Bridge this morning, which, you know, had I known... Uh, I would have just gone some other way, but I, and, and the, the fact that there's just hundreds, if not thousands of trucks that have been sitting there at rest stops for like three days, guys who are now trying furiously to make up time by, and I'm not trying to imply that the truck drivers, and delivery drivers, or anyone unsafe. They, they are the saying, safest drivers on the road. They are the safest drivers on the road, but I'm saying it, the problem is that they have to share that road with a bunch of morons. Uh, you know, some Correct. guy, some guy who gets out there in a Ford Festiva and decides that you know I, mean, I need to go 85 miles an hour. Uh, it, it, on a it's two, not going to happen. Yeah, two-lane road, no divider now. So you're just going to be taking a lot of people out of their grills with dustbusters later on today. So this would have happened a long time ago. Had the state and the county and the city gotten together, nobody wanted to accept liability because they had to punch a hole in the levee. So what would happen if it didn't work? It would cause more flooding, right? So who picks up the tab? So finally, I guess, uh, let's see. When Lewis County asked the state to accept liability for damage, the state refused to sign. Finally, the, the uh, city of Shahilis offered a blanket liability waiver for the state to breach any levies solely within the city. So that worked. So well, that's what like, took so long. I don't think Shahilis has any money anyway. Shahilis, I mean, that's, well, that's, one big, that's one big consolidation loan, the budget of that city. Yeah, they, they sell a couple of turnips a year, and then they're done. <laughs> uh, hello, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Yeah, hello, Rick. Hello. 
I have listened to the Rick Emerson show for about four years through various incarnations. Oh, God. I can already tell the nature of this call. This is you're going to complain about something. Exactly. Okay. How can it's it's like magic? Yes. And in each and every one, you have used the word skosh, claiming it is Japanese. Well, it's it's a truncation of a Japanese word, it uh, is a, which I believe is skoshi. Yes, exactly. Okay. Why don't your, you just say skoshi, bastard? Uh, what? Why don't you just say skoshi instead of saying skosh? Because it doesn't because it doesn't roll off the tongue nearly as well. One syllable is sort of funnier than two syllables most of the time. We're also remembering Pearl Harbor today. Yeah. They only get a There'll half be no a word. Japanese here. Yeah, we, we should have thought it. about that <laughs> during that day of infamy. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's because well, to be fair, I think I I don't even remember uh, who said it, but I I undoubtedly heard somebody else say it at some point. But yeah, the, the word is skoshi, but I. Uh, yeah, I shorten it to skosh. I think I don't know, just to be kooky. I don't know because it sounds because it sounds more folksy. Uh, what? Sorry. Is that all, is that your only complaint today, sir? Yes, exactly. Really, your life is going pretty well. If that's like the if that's the the thing you can find to complain about today, I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm just saying, really, one should pause and maybe count one's blessings. If that really is uh, like the thing that is the burr in your saddle today. Yeah, well, I could complain about plenty of other things if you want. Give me one more. Complain about one more thing. Uh, People should be getting their Christmas lights on today, I think. <laughs> I don't believe you have another complaint. I'll give you five seconds to think of another complaint. That was the only thing I could uh, think of at this time. All right, there you go. Well, see, so your life is actually going pretty well, wouldn't you agree? Yeah. <laughs> okay, bye. Uh -huh. Thank you for listening. I don't think there's any way you can help. It was an unhelpable man. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, here's Tim Riley. Uh, Highway 34 east of Wallport has been closed. They opened it without really checking it until they found that, well, it's not really fit to drive on, so they closed it again. A woman has been killed in a freak accident while cleaning up debris from the storm outside her Cloverdale home. Uh, Wait, what? Cloverdale home. I don't know where that is. Is Cloverdale in the uh, town of, uh, is that in the town of Abrams? Maybe. Uh, Laura and her husband, Raymond, were clearing up debris in the yard when she was accidentally run over. It happened when Raymond was driving a pickup and thought his wife had gotten into the house. She hadn't. Wait, oh, can you hand me that for a second? Yeah. I, I didn't think Cloverfield was a real the place. Thing's gonna be Cloverdale. 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 I need more caffeine. I just haven't gotten any yet. I'm afraid to have more coffee now because then I'll be all like, ah, later. <laughs> um, just in time for Pertz by a guest. Yeah. Uh, it isn't time for you to spaz out for Tommy Thayer. Nope. Thayer? Uh, I thought Cloverdale was just a thing in that J.J. Abrams film. The 11808 film or whatever that is. You know what I'm talking about, Cloverdale? That, well, in Cloverdale, also, that's where the lady was uh, drowned after being swept away in a pickup truck. Really? So it's a whole lot of... So pickups in Cloverdale seem to be a bad combination. Cloverdale is that film... That they had the trailer for it. Uh, when you, if you went to see The Mist, you probably saw the trailer for Cloverdale. It's the new... It's like a, a thriller from J.J. Abrams that the, the geeks are no, all kind of like a Twitter saw? about. Or Saw? No, no. It was... Um, the trailer is a home movie. The trailer is uh, is it looks badass. If you haven't seen it, you got to watch it. Uh, the trailer for Cloverdale is amazing. Um, the trailer is a home movie at a like a house party and like a gathering of like a like a party in New York City. Is that City. the one that's an ad adaptation of a Spanish horror movie? I don't think so. Um, it's but the trailer opens and it's like you know somebody with a video camera at at somebody's apartment in Manhattan and then you hear a crash and the camera turns and looks out the window and you just see like a huge. It looks like a meteorite or whatever, like smashing into the city. 
And then the rest of the trailer is just scattered, like, Blair Witch-style footage of chaos in the streets of New York. At one point, you literally see the head of the Statue of Liberty crashing into the... Those are always cool. It's, I mean, that's, that's always, always scares me in movies. Decapitating the Statue of Liberty. I know. God, so Lenny Liberty has been... But it's the, the trailer looks great. The movie, uh, you know, who knows, good or not. But, uh, but it's the, called Cloverdale? It's called Cloverdale, I think, or Clover, Clover something. Maybe it's Cloverfield. I could be wrong about this. I don't I don't really know. Anyway, so blah, 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 when she was accidentally run over. All right, there you go. Okay, Cloverfield. Yeah, it looks pretty great. Here's Tim Riley. So uh, right now, 14,000 Clatsop County residents are still without power, more than half of them in Seaside. In Washington, uh, the Grays Harbor uh, County Community Operations Center says 20,000 without electricity there. Oh, I'm sorry. I just got this image. Cloverfield, ass. All right, sorry. Jesus. Mm-hmm. A uh, tigered woman credits her dock for saving her life during the weekend storm. Uh, when a tree broke loose and hit the roof of her house, she was out walking her dog, Nico. Always take Nico for a walk, regardless of weather. A uh, number of people reported seeing funnel clouds in Marion County last oh, night. Oh, really? This is due to an upper-level disturbance. Yeah. It was passing through the air at the time, time when the reports were being received by emergency dispatchers. The funnel clouds didn't touch the ground, uh, and no damage is reported. So that's a good thing. See, anyone who spent time in uh, downtown Portland's Pioneer Courthouse Square has probably seen and heard the 32-year-old street preacher shouting at passers-by about Jesus and the sins and alcohol and whatnot. His name is Danny Allen Howe, and he's going to spend, well, not time with Jesus, well, possibly, but five years in prison after pleading guilty to rape and sexual abuse charges. Wait, is this a clergy watch? Well, he cl- he's not really a clergyman. Oh, I see. He's just a lay person. Yes, so to speak. Uh-huh. He he was indicted in February, then took off, leaving his wife and two young daughters behind. Uh, several months later, he was tracked to Arizona, then extradited back to Oregon, and held on $1.5 billion bail. The teenage victim was the daughter of Howe's friend and was reported to have attempted suicide following the crime. So uh, now he's in jail. You know what I think about sometimes? You know, who is that? I, I want to get sidetracked with this whole thing. But you were talking about if you spent time in Pioneer Courthouse Square, you probably know ba 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 ba. The first guy I thought of was not him, that nutcase preacher, and I do know who you're talking about there, but uh, the guy with the white tails and the Mickey Mouse hat who plays the trumpet. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I've seen him before. That guy's fantastic. He's, he's across from Powell's a lot. Uh, and then sometimes he is on, let's see, the on-ramp to the Hawthorne Bridge. If you go down front... And then you get onto the Hawthorne Bridge. He's at that little intersection where you merge onto onto Hawthorne. Um, you know, like where Madison becomes Hawthorne. He is there sometimes. That guy is badass. He's one of my favorite things about Portland. Uh, Cloverdale is a small coastal town between Pacific City and Astoria. Cloverfield is a made-up thing by J.J. Abrams. You dick. All right, thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Here's Tim Riley. A one thousand dollar reward is being offered for information leading to the capture of a man who attacked a convenience store clerk with canned goods. The intoxicated man enters the plaid pantry on uh, Southeast Foster Road to buy some beer, which is bad enough. When the clerk refused to sell, the suspect threw cans of beans and sweet peas at him, striking the victim in the stomach and fracturing a bone around his eye. Ouch! Oh! The suspect then chased the man around the store. Companions of the suspect were able to stop him, and they left in a dark Dodge truck or SUV. Uh, this is an Asian male, possibly a Pacific Islander, 25 to 30 years old, 5 foot 8, 190 pounds, long hair and a ponytail. So I, he threw uh, beans and, and, and... You know, even like little tiny injuries somehow become worse if they're on specific areas of your body. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, it's like having a bone fractured is no fun, but when you say it's an eye bone that's fractured, that's a whole different level of... It's a whole different level of pain. It's like having a paper cut in your tongue. 
Is an eye bone something from Apple? <laughs> the eye bone. That's their. Uh, that's from their adult line. Oh, I see. Serious now. An OMSI employee found a body in the Willamette River. The employee found the substantially decomposed body. Uh, they recovered it and turned it over to Multnomah County Medical Examiners. It's believed the body's been in the river for several months. It is likely to have... Uh, oh, it's because they've increased the water levels and currents. Now all the dead bodies have come to the surface. Oh. Really? Honestly? Uh-huh. Because they get kind of stuck in the muck down thought, there, don't they? I thought you meant it was like a, like a recently, like a guy had jumped off the bridge and just landed by Omsi or something. Mm-hmm. This was a body that was in the river for some time. And then it became a snag during, uh, right next to the uh, USS Brokeback submar- uh, Blueback submarine uh, visiting the area near Omsi. <laughs> <laughs> I... Uh, yeah, there's nothing I can add to that. Um, I just threw that one at you. Thank you. I know. I just, you know, I just figured that was enough. I just let that one go. There's no point in me trying to alley oop that. Uh, the, the, so the body had been, was it at the bottom of the river and it floated up? Maybe. Maybe it was weighted down. It's very creepy, especially when you start to think about if that's. I mean, what else might be at the bottom of the Willamette that gets uh, the, oh, the, the, the tires and things? Yeah, or, or you know, rats. whatever uh, that floats to this. We, you know, it's like every so often. Like, you, you'll hear about, you see this in movies a lot, where some redneck decides to go fishing by tossing a stick of dynamite into a pond, mm-hmm. um, which my dad's friend Bill actually did at one point. He like went out to some pond in Kennewick and tss, he got a quarter stick of dynamite somehow, throws it into the river, you know, and then he's wait for the fish all to float to the surface. I knew somebody who was a, a search and rescue person, and they were looking for a specific person, and um, it was in the Willamette. Uh-huh. Kept going down, diving up, like, okay, got the, you know, got this woman. Pull up, not the person. Got four people before they. Oh my God! Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding you, because people will jump and they, you know, they go so far down into the muck and it's so cold down there they'll just stick down there and you can't see. You can only see like two inches. Oh, oh, that's in front of your face. That's freaking me. Yes, they're feeling around. All they have is their sense of touch. So they'll grab somebody, pull them up. No, done. I'm done hearing about that. I, Think about that next time you set your like a toe in the Willamette. How deep? How how deep is the Willamette? Filthy. But, I mean, how deep is it? It doesn't seem like... Let's say that you jump off the Hawthorne Bridge. I'm not suggesting you do that. Let's say you jump off the Hawthorne Bridge. It, uh, that just doesn't even seem possible, that you would go so far down that you would get like sink into the muck. But I guess it must be the case. Or maybe, you know, it is true. I think it's actually true also that uh, bodies, you know, they only float for a little while and then they sink again. I think that's the deal. I think you... You drown, and then your body fills with like a, you know, it's like gas or whatever, and you float. And but then I do believe that you then sink again. So if they don't find you right away. Your body would then just sink. Oh, that is so creepy. I know you're probably never going to read World War Z. So um, no, I actually am going to. Oh, really? Well, yeah. I'm not giving anything away. It's you know, world overrun by zombies. Blah blah blah. But uh, there's this r- terrifying section of World War Z where they talk about. Um, it, it, I forget exactly what happened, but it, 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 like at, at some point it was like. So, I don't know, like an ocean liner or something. You know, it's like some carnival cruise line out in the middle of the ocean. And there's like one infected person on the ship. And, of course, you know, it's the whole 28 Days Later thing where within like a day, everybody on the ship has been bitten and has turned into it. So it's a whole, it is literally a a ship of zombies. And at one point, the ship sinks. And so by about halfway through the book, they reveal that, you know, that this has happened all over the world where boats have had one infected person or whatever, or or the government has tried to solve the problem by, like, putting a bunch of zombies on a ship and kicking it out to sea. And, of course, they can't drown, so, like, the ocean floor is, like, crawling with zombies, literally. And, they, you know, they talk about swimmers just being snatched in the water, like, you know, because the, because the ocean floor, you know, is... And at one point they have a diver whose job it is 
a military diver whose job it is to go down onto the ocean floor and like kill the zombies that are walking around on the ocean floor. <laughs> and they just that is creepy. And he, he tells this whole thing. And again, I'm not it's not a spoiler. He just tells this whole thing. He's like, so there you are walking around on the ocean floor, and it's all silty and dark, and you can't really and you know you can't really see him until he's right Underwater on you. Underwater zombies. Well, because they can't drown. You know, they they're zombies. They're already dead. They can't drown, and so. You know, by the time that the zombie war is over, there are, you know, whatever, a million zombies uh, that are on, in the water. And, of course, they sink right to, the, right to the bottom. So walking all around the ocean floor are just a million zombies just walking around under the water, just waiting to kill you. So there you go. Think about that the next time you go to, uh, go to the beach. Here's Tim Riley. Oregon State Police have arrested a Grants Pass man after a nearly 40-mile police chase. This happened on I-5. Uh, the suspect is Bradford Harris. He's 54 years old. He was arrested going 85 miles an hour in a 50-mile-an-hour construction zone. The sergeant said Harris wouldn't stop and attempted to elude, elude state, county, and city officers in I-5 between Eugene and Albany. He spent up to 105 miles an hour and was driving while intoxicated. Bam. They were able to arrest him after they deployed some uh, spike strips and deployed at least what They should have shot at him, really. I mean, why waste all this time and energy? I don't know. You could hurt somebody along the way. Just shoot him. Bring it to a close. <laughs> Should you do the uh, joy of Christmas? Uh, I don't know. Your tone of voice implies that it might be darker than normal. Perhaps so. We wish you Tim Riley with your joint Christmas. It's doubly good because it comes from Florida. And, oh, ow! Andy! Damn it. 25-year-old man from Winter Haven has been arrested after police say he ran over his neighbor's front yard Christmas decorations and then shot at the man. Merry Christmas! Matthew Lakeford became involved in the altercation involving his sister and neighbor. Lakeford got into a vehicle and drove over Sheldon's Christmas decorations that were in his front yard. Uh, Lankford retrieved a 45 caliber gun and shot Sheldon in the arm and the abdomen. And apparently Sheldon did not hear, have to have any weapons. He's in stable condition. He's been charged with attempted murder in connection with the shooting. Now, this is a Florida story, which really doesn't lead us into what happened or or who's involved. But anyway, it happened in Florida, so what more do you need to know? That yeah, really is it, yeah. So that's it. All right, there you go. There's your uh, joy of Christmas for uh, Friday on the Rick and Morty Show. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. This hey. is John. What's up? I live in Tillamook, and I can tell you exactly where Cloverdale is. All right. <laughs> uh, it's it's actually right between Tillamook and Pacific City. Okay, all right. So it's, it's and it's uh. This is where the altar is. So apparently people there are going crazy. So I would avoid that area if I were you. Oh, it's uh, it's pretty crazy out there. Yeah, there's a... Uh, Oregon's, Oregon's best kept secret. There's a whole lot of nut casery uh, going on in the... In, <laughs> in, so I would, uh, yeah, avoid that. All right, thank you, sir. Yeah. All right. Hey, did you watch the uh, did you watch the trailer for Cloverfield? Yes, I posted it on my it's very um, cool. blog, too. Yeah, I mean, the movie might be crap, but the trailer's that pretty great. That looks amazing. Yeah, it looks... It's. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for stuff like that. Uh, here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. I'm going to go see that other movie that the uh, Catholic Church doesn't like. What is it, The Compass? Golden Compass? You know, the reviews of that are just terrible, though. Are you just going to see it just because the Catholic Church said not to? Well done. And it's playing in the suburbs. Reverse what could be, Where could be a safer place to go? Well, and you People don't, don't kick the backs of seats there. And you don't want to see The Mist. You don't want to... That's that's not a movie for you. You don't... Uh, there are very few movies for me. No, I, well, I don't even know what, what else is playing right now. 
I asked uh, uh, Fat Blum, like, you know, what, what else is at the movies that I should go see? And I, I kind of want to see that No Country for Old Men. Um, but I, uh, I've heard there's... So I won't give it away, but somebody revealed a very disturbing sequence. There's a robot involved. There's, I don't think, yes, it's Westworld. No Westworld for old men. Oh. <laughs> um, the, uh, somebody revealed the existence of a very disturbing scene in that film, and it's actually, I wish they hadn't told me, because now I almost don't want to see it. I'm just going to say this. It involves teeth. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Don't say extraction. Are you saying extraction? Well, de- define extraction. If by extraction you mean punched out with a pneumatic drill. Oh, or hammer or something. Yeah, you know, I'm not going to be watching that. Yeah, that's that's what the I'm curving saying. scene in American History X. I can. Oh man, you know the worst thing about that curving scene, apart from you know everything, is just the sound that his teeth make scraping the curb uh, beforehand. Before. Yeah, Tony Kay knows how to get inside your head and kick you in the soul. All right, here's uh, Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth. Well, off we go to Coos Bay, where a burglar who tunneled under a wall to access a coquille tire store. Did not have a good exit plan. You see, the burglar was unable to remove any of the tires because they were too big to fit through the hole. Officers reported earlier this week of a hole at Steel's Universal Tire and Wheel. The hole led into the shop's dirt floor storage room. The storage room is connected to the business, but does not lead to any areas of the business. It's very comical, said the sergeant. The break-in is believed to be connected to an incident at a local eatery discovered earlier that day. Fingerprints and other evidence connecting the two crimes were found at the tire store. Officers responded to a burglary report at Joe's Place earlier in the day. Joe's Place. The window was open at the restaurant and the business ransacked. And $63 was missing. (laughs) (laughs) Joe's entire gross annual product. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. A safe was moved, but they couldn't open it, so they just left it there. So this Joe's burglary could be connected with a tire store. Now, is Joe's the local eatery? I believe so, yep. I love eateries. Now, I love you... places that just say That's where you I find think it's like good local eatery. folks. I do. Eatery is fantastic. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, Rick. Uh, excuse my voice here, but I heard you talking about the zombies earlier. Yeah. Why should I believe what you're saying since you didn't know that most animals could swim? Uh, uh, you and creatures in water, I don't think, is very a good source to go Wait, through. let me understand this. So because I did not know the behavior patterns of an actual real-life animal, you're then questioning the behavior pattern knowledge that I might have about a fictitious villain of some kind. Why couldn't zombies swim? Well, I, because Max Brooks says they can't. I don't know, dude. I just read the book, and zombies can't. I think it's because they have uh, no oxygen in their body, and because they are undead, they become waterlogged and heavier than water, and they sink to the bottom of the ocean floor. Because they don't blow it up with gas the way that an actual dead body would, because they are, again, they are undead. That's That could be. So then a zombie elephant wouldn't be able to swim. Well, see, now here's the thing about the zombie elephants. I'm glad you asked that question, actually. Because I read World War Z and loved it, but Aaron has referenced something that I don't remember in the book, and so I'm going to have to read the book again because I, I must have just not remembered this part. He uh, said at one point in the book, it is revealed that the zombies that are, again, uh, crawling the ocean floor, that at one point, whales became infected with the zombie virus, and so then there were quite literally like huge zombie whales in the ocean. But I don't really remember that part. So I don't know if he's making that up or not, but um, just the notion of, and in the book, the, the military guys have a nickname for zombies. They call him, uh, they call the zombie Zack. That's like their wartime name. And this guy talks about, well, you just be on the ocean floor, and suddenly, you know, Zack would be on you. You just see that hand come out of the silt. I mean, just the creepiest thing ever. Well, it would seem like zombie whales then wouldn't be able to swim, so they would just sit on the middle of the ocean floor and do be, nothing. Just sit there and be listless. <laughs> All right. Thank All right, you. Bye. Bye. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Eric. Talking about the buoyancy of zombies. Hi. 
Yeah, I've seen uh, No Country for Old Men three times. Uh-huh. you got to go see it. But what about this scene with... There the... is no pneumatic drill in the teeth. Maybe not a pneumatic drill. Is there a sequence where a guy's teeth are knocked out with something horrible? No, there's nothing involving teeth. Really? Okay, now i got to find it. Hold on. Um... Nothing involving teeth. There is a pneumatic drill, or it's a pneumatic punch, but there's no teeth knocking out. So maybe the guy was... Maybe he wasn't trying to imply that that happened in the film. Maybe he was just referencing that tool or whatever it is in the movie and just wanted me to picture that happening to my own teeth, you know, for no reason. I don't know, but the tool plays an integral part of the movie, Uh, and it's not, you've got to go see it. It's one of the best movies ever. If you like a movie with a good bad guy, the bad guy is the best bad guy ever. I am a big fan of sort of darker Coen brothers, like blood simple Coen brothers. Uh, This is is the Coen brothers' best movie. Really? that's, that's That's a bold statement. Oh, it's you, you, you got to see it to believe it. It's it's incredible. All right. Uh, I'll find his email and read it on the air later so everybody kind of knows what I'm talking about. But thank yeah, you for the recommendation. I'll try to see yeah. that this weekend then. Yeah, but there's no teeth with pneumatic drills. So, it's, you know, you don't have to worry about that. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Bye now. Uh, we should do at some point top five movie scenes that have made you terrified of things. Mm. Because everybody who's seen Marathon Man, man, you will never go to a dentist and feel the same way once you've seen Marathon Man. That's just the worst thing that's ever been put on film. Was that who made Marathon Man? Is that John Frankenheimer or somebody? He hates you. He hates people. He hates birds and kittens and balls of string. He hates everything good and right. Uh, oh, here we go. Rick, I saw No Country for Old Men last night, and it was spectacular. However, now when I think of going to the dentist, I will always have an unreasonable association toward gas canisters based on the one used in the movie. Imagine the sound of the gas coming on as a dentist turns on the valve and try hard not to think about a pneumatic cattle-killing bolt blasting your teeth out. That makes it sound a lot like that happens in the film. Hmm. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Well, this is pretty cool that... uh... Geek in the City has been mentioned in the U.K. register. Okay. How do we do a Geek Watch? Let's please do, do this now. Let's have a Geek Watch uh, here on Friday, because i got something to say about that, too. Mm-hmm. All right, here's your Geek Watch. Ugh, this high-speed modem is intolerably slow. In the Queen's certain limit, remember, you used to... Just a television show. That's all, okay? <laughs> right, but... Because we were wondering if the quantum flux... Now, just listen, there, there, there is no quantum flux. flux. There's no auxiliary. There's no goddamn shit. You got it? There it is. There's your geek watch for Friday. So this comes to us of the register. This is a UK newspaper. It's a real newspaper. A, a real newspaper, so I will read it. A group of American Douglas Adams fans are seeking to have a street named after him in Portland, Oregon. The chosen street naturally is currently called 42nd Avenue. Nah, 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 nah. On May 11, 2001, the very talented writer and activist was taken from this world before his time. See the activist of Rename42nd.org. That is a Rename42nd, F, um, F, uh, 42nd, Rename42nd.org. So according to the campaigners, the renaming would demonstrate Portland residents' commitment to the arts, their respect for the environment, and a desire to provide technological access to all, and even education to all people. Best of all, the Adams fans say it'll remind all Portlanders of the most important lesson in time of uncertainty and fear. Don't panic. The organizers believe that 42nd Avenue could become Douglas Adams Boulevard. Here comes the most important part. The movement to accomplish this is sponsored by Geek in the City. Yeah. Yeah. A worldwide phenomenon of pop culture, rambling and rats. The premier destination site for lesser known, but wholly worthy subjects of entertainment, unquote. 
That about keeping the premier up. destination sites. Mm-hmm. Look at you, Aaron Duran. You bet. Going to be too big to talk to us soon. Mm-hmm. All right, fantastic. So apparently the city of Portland allows only one street name change per year, and 2007 is already taken. Okay, but the 2008, though. Mm-hmm. 2008, the year of the geek. So the Adams backers are hoping to get the 2008 spot. That is, I am all, and I will lend support in any way possible. Uh, to any, and First of all, it makes a lot of sense because this is such a... Geeky town, such a town. I mean, look, we we are the home of Powell's Books, the greatest bookstore in all the country. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are the home of Powell's Books. We are uh, we are a people here. We love uh, literature. We love the arts. We love to read. And of course, Portland is full of nerds and tech things. I mean, we got IBM, we got Intel, we got you know a, a ton of technological businesses here. And Douglas Adams, uh, you know, was a, a very the, the impact that Douglas Adams has made on the world of technology and science and geekery cannot even be estimated. I mean, it just can't. I mean, it's very telling that when IBM created that machine that beat Gary Kasparov, uh, that they called it Deep Thought, which of course is taken right out of uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Also, think about this: if you have not read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the the titular item, in other words, the the, the, the actual Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, is a small uh, it is a small electronic book that Ford Prefect carries with him in his pocket, and you turn it on and it will tell you anything about anything that you need to know. Now. That's an item that Ford carries with him all around the galaxy because he is a roving reporter whose job is to update the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Consider the fact that, I don't have it with me, but consider the fact you go up to my office here, you look at my desk on my office, there is a small, it's my Motorola Q, it's like a Blackberry, uh, there's a small thing on my desk, it is about four inches by three inches. And you know what? Uh, anywhere in the United States, and in fact I could upgrade it to make it anywhere in the world, but anywhere in the United States I go, I can turn that on, I can go onto the internet and then via Wikipedia, via Google, via whatever, I can find out, yes, anything there is to know about anything. Any city I go to, any town I go to, no matter how lost I get, I can take a small device out of my pocket that is much like an electronic book and I can look up whatever information it is I need to know about wherever I am. I mean, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the actual item, has become real. And Douglas Adams visualized it before anybody. I mean, he was the first one to talk about it. So... Anyway, well done, Aaron. And I should also note, not only is, uh, is this the register? Yes. Not only is the register talking about rename42nd.org, he also made it on the Slashdot today. And uh, those of you in the geek community, well, the Slashdot is sort of like a Drudge Report or a FARC, but you know, just for nerds. So Slashdot is a huge deal. Uh, so, uh, you know, can FARC be far behind? And you know that NPR is going to pick up on this. This is exactly the kind of thing that NPR loves to talk about. So uh, that is rename42nd.org. Uh, and that is, uh, of course, uh, the spearheaded by Aaron Geek in the City. Duran, Geek in the City, the premier destination uh, for geeks of all stripes. Congratulations. Fantastic. Well done, Aaron. So there you is your Geek Watch for Friday on the Rick Emerson Show. I by the sons of Warvan. I shall avenge you. Next. Ooh, loneliness and cheeseburgers are a dangerous mix. Uh, we should break here. We'll come back. More of Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Uh, your phone calls later on today. Uh, Tommy Thayer from Kiss will be here. Scott Daly from FilmPeopleRadio.com. Top five. And don't forget, brain removal workers fall ill at Minnesota Pork Plant. That headline and more. You stay there. All right now. All right. 
right, what a busy day. It's 503-733-2970 coming up later on. Tommy Thayer from KISS. Scott Daly from Film Fever Radio. James Rube from San Francisco. Uh, this is Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Well, remember that uh, Portland cyclist who was uh, stricken and killed at North Interstate in Greeley not that long ago? Yes, yes, I do. Well, somebody painted a stencil on a bridge underpass right next to that location. So it was there for a month, and now people are going to be very upset. ODOT removed it. What did it? What was the stencil? It was a stencil of a guy riding a bike. This is what it looked like. And it was on. Oh, that's an really underpass. Cool. Yeah, it was an underpass. But ODOT had to remove it because, it, well, it can distract drivers. They say. Well, so they left it up, left it up for a month. It wasn't a black and white issue. I can, they said they struggled with issues like that, but they had to remove it, and they know it's going to upset people. I, I can see that, though, because that's a very realistic stencil. Mm-hmm. I can see that if you just, at peripheral vision, as dumb as it sounds, out of the corner of your eye, you see that, you might be a little thrown off. and think that's a, that, I thought it was like a stick figure or something. That yeah. is a very realistic painting. But, but I can remember other things. Remember that one on Hawthorne a few weeks uh, Maybe a couple years ago, and somebody did you really it. just say that? Yeah. Did you really say a couple weeks, or, or perhaps you, many years ago? Or perhaps many years ago. Uh, what was it? Uh, let's see. It was at 39th and Hawthorne, I believe. Well, not too far from there. Somebody had stenciled something in in a road on the sidewalk right next to somebody's business, and they left it there for a while. And then after a while, I guess they had. To I don't remember that yeah. actually. So that part, of, you know, it's weird. You go into certain parts of town, and there's just stuff that is spray painted and stenciled and weird. You know, weird. in some neighborhoods. Oh yeah. In certain neighborhoods where certain kinds of people live, you know, not where Tim lives. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, uh, you know, bad things in movies that just make you cringe. Um, here we go, yes. Here we go. Ed, and you can add these to your, you know, uh-huh. visit safe list. Uh, I would have to say the first one that is just unnerving is the uh, misery scene with the sledgehammer. Oh, I know. No, the, uh, it's... The, and the, Annie, Annie, for the love of God. And she's, no, Paul, I'm going to hobble you. And then, yeah, and then to the put in the block between his legs and then the swinging. That's, I just can't even, I can't even watch that movie or even think about it. it it's just, that's the worst thing. All right, hold on. I'm going to, I have to see now if that scene is on YouTube and then we're going to play it. No. No, I, I have to. You know, as soon as we were talking about this, I was thinking about ah. multiple scenes from Casino. The, uh, oh, the, 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 the smashing mice. his hand with the hammer or the head You the can mice. either take the money and the hammer or you can get the F out. All yeah, right. that's that payback scene with yeah. the foot and the, yeah, and the crushing and the such. Yeah, and then the uh, the, the, best oh. part in, the best part in casinos is when they're crushing the guy's head in the vice. Don't talk about the eyeball. And the, Yeah, the eyeball comes out. And then at the end, and then, and then like, and then don't they set the guy in fire or something at the end? And, 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 and Pesci is mocking him. Like, you know, you took the vice to protect that piece of S. You know, it's like the, the guy he finally gives up is like some low-level player. So. And then actually the end with Feshi and his brother is pretty brutal, too. Uh, Don and Mike did the best bit some years ago where they were playing horrible scenes from movies and then segueing immediately into happy songs. And they they played the misery ankle-smashing scene with the sledgehammer immediately into the Candyman. And so you would hear this like, you know, Annie, for the love of God, wham, ha! The Candyman! And it was like the best thing I've ever heard. I sat and laughed myself sick. All right. And uh, the we'll, other we'll one that comes yeah. from, from deep childhood uh-huh. is the uh, the scene in Wrath of Khan, where Khan is dropping the uh, thing in the helmet. and The misery thing is far worse. All right. Thank you, my friend. Here's uh, Tim Riley. So if you got a kicker check already, by mistake, kicker. Some uh, 1,200 residents of Elaine and nearby counties already got their tax rebate check by mistake. Well, you can't cash it yet because it's post-dated. So don't even think about doing it. Wait, when can you cash yeah. it? 
Uh, let's see here. We're all like for us. <laughs> We're all totally. I guess like, you, come I, on. I guess you can't do it before December. 15th? Uh, mm. all right. I like that. get one of those. Okay. Fingers they, crossed. The state will, right. Yeah, you don't make any money. You're going to get a big check. The state will soon begin mailing 1.6 million rebate checks, sending out uh, more than $1 billion back to taxpayers. Now, the exact date of the mailing is secret. Right, of course, because they don't want anybody to go do a smash and grab in all the mailboxes, right? Right. Typical check will be between 200 and 500. The amounts will vary, though, based on income. So the less you make, the bigger your check. Just open for 500. Yep. <laughs> All right. Um, all right. Here's uh, Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen. Uh-oh. Starbucks is recalling 167,000 coffee mugs because the handles could come off spilling coffee. Oh. They're made by the uh, the Chinese coffee mug company. Maybe that's the same company that made your Max 910 mug. So seriously, you look at it and it just shatters These a million pieces. These have black handles, and they have a stainless steel base. They're oh. sold at Starbucks for 11 bucks. Well, let me just put this right near my penis. Ah! So far, they have uh, 29 reports of minor burns. They're offering a free beverage as an exception. Really? Is that it? Are they, they bring off- them back, yeah. Would you like some more hot liquid, you know, to make up for this? All right. Let me dump this in your lap, as long as you're wearing shorts. Hi, <laughs> uh, you're on the Rick Everson Show. Hello. 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 Hi. Hello. Hello. Rule. All right. Yeah. Go ahead. Hello. Hi. Hey, this is a statutory ram on the air. Oh, I'm sorry. Is this statutory ray from Womb Stretcher? Yes, it is. Yes. We are not asking for a street to be renamed in our name. However, I wanted to comment about a horrible movie scenes, a music juxtaposition. Yes. There's a fine film called Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2. I've only seen the first one and the fourth one, I think. Here's the deal. The first, the second one is mostly all the good clips, a lot of the flashbacks from the first one, uh-huh. combined with more horrible stuff. But the thing is, there's a scene toward about 70% into the movie where a nun in a wheelchair gets thrown down a staircase by a guy in a Santa suit before she is axed to death, and then it cuts right into Christmas music. <laughs> I'm sorry. Was it wrong for me to laugh at that just now? What is she axed about? <laughs> Let me ax you this! Uh! All right. I don't know why what she did to deserve it, and I don't want to you know, really ju- you know, speculate, but it's great, and you should watch it, and that's pretty much all I have to contribute. Excellent. God bless Other you. than, of course, December 23rd, where bodies a very womb stretch of Christmas. Uh, God bless you, my friend. Thank you, you sir. Too. All right, there you go. Womb stretch of the magnificent. Uh, their photo is hanging in Dan Bozick's office as well as mine. Excellent. Uh, all right. Let's see if I have the... Uh... Paul, do you know about the early days at the Kimberly Diamond Mine? Oh, what is wrong with you? Do you know what they did to the native workers who stole diamonds? Don't worry. They didn't kill them. That would be like junking a Mercedes just because it had a broken spring. No, if they caught them, they had to make sure they could go on working. But they also had to make sure they could never run away. The operation was called hobbling. Eddie. Uh, just putting a block between his ankles. Eddie. Should I play this? No! Whatever you think I'm not doing, please don't do it. I wonder how many radios are turning down at this moment. Yes. <laughs> I'm not even listening to you. No, I'm not either. No, fine. Fine, you big babies. All right, I'll turn it off. You big right. baby. You know, the, oh, can I just tell you this? Way to tell us. <laughs> you big you duty. Um, uh, the, uh, you know, the, the creepiest, the most effed up thing. I don't know when the last time I saw Misery was. That was a little more messed up doing the, because you know what's happening. Yeah. Creepy little voice. Uh, the, um, 
the creepiest thing about Misery, which I did see for the first time in a long time, about six months ago, um, it still holds up, man. Misery is, I would say Misery is an almost perfect film. At the end, they do that stupid, uh, you know, you think she's dead, but she's not thing. But the movie is genius. You know, the, the single creepiest thing about that sequence and I, I, I've already closed the windows. So I don't know if it's there. Um, but she puts the wooden block there, and then she, wham! You know, she bashes his ankle with a sledgehammer. Then she hits his other ankle with a sledgehammer. And, of course, there's James Conner's all just, Rah! You know? And then they do the immediate big zoom onto her face, and she goes, God, I love you. <laughs> it's, so, it's so creepy. It's like the single, that was the Oscar for her right there. Because she won an Academy Award for that. Which is unheard of. You would win an Academy Award for a Stephen King film, um, but that was the moment that she won that Academy Award, and she just told she she looks like all turned on. She's just like, God, I love you, and he's all on the bed, like ankles smashed, rolling around. It's just the worst thing ever. Uh, Rod Reiner and William, and the thing that's the same combination of writer director that made The Princess Bride. That's how effed up that is. Mm. The same guy that wrote Wesley and Buttercup created that sequence. Here's Tim Riley. What? What? Let me turn on my mic first. Uh, let's talk about what's going on in Washington, D.C. today and the fact that the president has no recollection of those destroyed CIA tapes. Oops. Hang on. One moment, please. Yes, the president has no recollection of those destroyed CIA tapes. One moment, please. It still isn't working. I spoke to the president. Uh, he has no recollection of being made aware of the tapes or their destruction before yesterday. Now, that's Dana Perino. That's all she had to say about the CIA interrogation yeah. tapes that are all missing. It's okay, as long as she looks good doing it. Uh, she asked about the level of concern at the White House over these missing CIA torture tapes. I think I'll decline the comment. What? <laughs> well, as I said, they're continuing to gather facts, and so I don't think it's appropriate. So anyway, the uh, president made a nationally televised speech and talked to at-risk homeowners. He said the best thing you can do for your family right now is to call 1-800-995-HOPE. So everybody did. Here's what they got. Mailbox for Karen and Ron Pulaski at Freedom Christian Academy is full. Please try again later. Goodbye. Yes, it's Texas-based Freedom Christian Academy, an organization that provides Christian education reading materials. He gave them the wrong Your name. government is here to help you badly. Uh, Senator Clinton campaigned in New Hampshire yesterday. She picked up the endorsement of the state's largest labor union. It also commented on the siege of the matter to Rochester headquarters. Clinton said she was a little confused that during the standoff, she received a phone call from a, a woman who's the president of the state chapter of the American Education Association. So Rhonda says, well, I'm calling with some very good news. How did Rhonda get the hostages out? I thought to myself, I, I was totally bewildered. Uh, cartons of eggs from one Kansas City company always contain a copy of a handwritten message uh, to the customer. Those messages change from week to week. The notes are written by Amish school kids who live on the farm where the eggs are, are raised. Actually, eggs is are raised the there. feel-good story of the day? It is. Uh, but one well-meaning message included in a recent shipment of good-natured family farms eggs is causing the company some headache. Kill. A serial killer is on the loose, going over hills, mountains, and valleys. Not stopping for anything in its path. It keeps right on its own course. Everything left behind is total disaster. Can you guess what it is? How did this end up in boxes? <laughs> Who writes the young people eggs? that wrote the note had read in class a poem and about Jack Frost, and they did it as a riddle, nothing more. I'm sorry. Once we... again, there's no serial killer involved in this. 
this egg joke. We didn't really mean to. Uh, we didn't really mean to terrify you. Now we go to Oklahoma City, where this fellow named San Antonio, who is from Texas, speaks for the John Birch Society about immigration issues. Uh, he says uh, 1804 is a good model for law. He wants in his home state of California. And he was asked if English needs to become Oklahoma's official language as well, as if they speak English here anyway. Where I stand with the John Birch Society is that we believe any government agency, whether it be local, state, or federal, should be English only. Yes, it's what they're for and not what they're against. Not that we're against anything. Is that actually what we're for, and that's for love of country. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Whatever you say. And so his name is San or Sam Antonio? Sam Antonio. Sam Antonio is wonderful. Hey, Don Halen with you. Coming up another five in a row. Wait, let me just... God, I love you. Yeah, fantastic. All right, here's there. I skipped all the bludgeoning and the beating and the breaking and so forth. Well, the Orion Air Flight, this is a British airline, was stopped just before taking off, and the passenger stood up and urinated in the back of the plane. A teenager and his friend, who were understood to be part of a group of up to five men, were arrested after the incident on a plane to Brussels. The flight was due to depart, but later took off because it had to be clean. A spokeswoman for the budget airline. <laughs> if it wasn't a budget airline before, mm -hmm. it certainly is now. Yes, they were taxiing in when two passengers stood up. Despite requests from the staff to sit down, the pair refused. One of the passengers ended up urinating in the back of the aircraft. It returned to its stand where they were arrested. Ryanair was pressing charges. The two men in their late teens were arrested under the Air Navigation and Transportation Act. They were taken to Dublin Airport Gorder Station and later released. A file is being prepared, and, well, charges will be filed against them. So once again, in case you missed it, I-5 has reopened. I-5 has reopened to all traffic. But the bad part is, there's only one lane open in each direction. And all these trucks have been waiting for days and days to get there. So nobody can pass anyone, really. No. You're stuck behind someone. Well, you might as well, at this point, wouldn't you say that it's just, you should just stick it out for another day and let this, you know, in, and let this initial uh, surge of traffic just through? Why do people want to go to Seattle anyway? You've yeah. seen the fish being thrown at people. What else is there to do? <laughs> and you've already got the space needle. You've seen it a million times. You've seen times. the space needle. You've seen the fish throwing, and you already have something made out of ash. What else could you possibly want? So if you, I mean, if you've seen the mummy, if you've seen the mummy down at Pier 47 or whatever it is, I mean, then then you're done. That's you know, it's kind of it. I still to this day have never eaten at that restaurant at the top of the space. You know, that's like the one thing. That's one that like the one northwestern thing that I have never done. Hey, you know, I was thinking. Speaking of the, the space needle, just tall buildings. So what is that? What is that building downtown? I know that I've lived here for like 15 years or whatever now, but I mean, what is that building? Downtown that is sort of it's 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 like a bank or something, but it's a very thin. Uh, is it Big Pink? Is that the one I'm thinking of? Well, Big Pink is pink, and it's not downtown. It's further oh, the one, down. Yeah, the one the Portland City Grill is on, the one right off of Burnside? I think so. Yeah, maybe. And it's like at certain at certain angles, it almost looks like it's just like a one-dimensional building, you know what I'm talking about? Anyway, it's, it, it, I can never I can never remember the nicknames of the buildings. Even now, I still get it confused. But anyway, so I was, uh, downtown, there's that building, and it's got – it's immensely tall, and it's got Christmas lights – strung across the top and down the side, like halfway down the side of the building, there are red and green lights. And I found myself staring at it the other day, thinking to my, like, how did they get those lights up there? I mean, it's, it's, it's way too tall for like, uh, you know, for like a cherry picker or whatever. And then you start thinking of some poor window washing type bastard had to dangle himself off the By side of the building. Yeah, seriously. With a rope? With, that, with one of those Canadian safety harnesses. Uh, <laughs> just dangling there, stringing Christmas lights. 
Because they're not from the ground up. It's from the top up. You can tell because they stop halfway down the building. And so Christmas lights had to be strung down the corner, down the edge of that building. I mean, it was an immensely tall building about from the top to about halfway down. Just pity the poor bastard that had to do that. I, I, I don't understand those guys who are window washers, how you would ever get used to that. They could pay a lot of money to do that. But still, I mean, is there any amount of money that no. would get you up there to wash windows in like some nine million story building? There's no way. No. I was in a build only once in my life has ever happened to me, but I was in a really tall building one time when like the window washing guy was outside, you know, and so I'm there and I hear that, and I look over and there's some guy just washing the window and I'm, you know, like it's 70 stories up or something. It's just terrifying. The whole thing. Um, let's see. We've got a call here about the top five, top five dental torture sequences. I don't really know that I want to read that. Well, let's listen to this in the meantime. I'm working overtime because I want to take my family on a nice vacation. Uh, Soon they get a call telling them I was killed in an accident. But hey, I'm wearing a busted harness here. And the company should have checked those tanks. <laughs> yeah! It's been an accident! Clean up on aisle five. That's wonderful. All right, uh, we do have, we, this is breaking news now, we have an ad hoc Breaking Britney watch, ladies and gentlemen, the Rick Emerson Show. Well, this headline says, Spears is threatening Paris with lesbian footage. Fantastic. That's the best headline ever written. That, Britney, that's even better than the, the brain removal one. Britney Spears is threatening to release video footage of one-time friend Paris Hilton in a lesbian romp with a mutual pal if the socialite doesn't start treating her better. London's Daily Mail newspaper has been alerted to a letter that Spears Camp has sent to Hilton demanding the Simple Life star stop being rude to Britney and members of her entourage. Uh, they reportedly uh, threatened to leak the footage which shows Hilton in a compromising position with another woman, unless she changes that bad attitude of hers. Now, but haven't there already been a bunch of pictures of Paris uh, with another woman? Wouldn't her sidekick got hacked? Weren't there a bunch of photos? I don't oh, think yeah. anybody would be surprised or shocked or anything. I would just be sort I of sick. I told that, yeah, she's topless and she's like, yeah, and there's a um, girl grabbing each other's boobs and like making out. Yes, that is. I'm so glad you said that, so I didn't have to. Uh, yeah, there's, when her sidekick got hacked, and there were all these photos of Paris getting it on with some other girl. Um, so, I mean, this really, and really, can I just speak frankly here? Really, honestly, who at this point? I mean, unless you live in Kansas, who cares if there's lesbian footage or somebody? Really, honestly, as a, as a female celebrity, that can only raise your stock. You know that that's true. Mm -hmm. I mean, really, you know, if you're some moderately attractive, you know, or famous female celebrity, oh my God, I, there's proof that she made out with another woman. All that does is just raise your your value in the in the in, you know in the, in the assessment of the American public. So, if, if people are friendly, I'm sorry. What is that? I don't know. I think that was a lie just now. I think you do know what that is. Something uh, started when I wasn't supposed to. Okay. Uh, so there you go. So uh, Brittany uh, threatening to release uh, lesbian footage of Paris Hilton. Fantastic. There's your Brittany watch for Friday.
Arcade. We're doing a show tonight that I will not be attending. They're playing tonight at Satyricon, and they're yeah, going um, to be playing the Britney Spears. Tonight. All right, I know. Those support, shows? Well, stop saying you're not going to be there and start talking about supporting them. No, no, no. I mean, well, look, I... Hey, my conscience is clear. We play their song like a hundred times a week, and I went to see them last time. I'm just saying, no, I have a, I have a, you know, I have a previous engagement, so I will sadly not be able to be there. But everybody should go. Nickel Arcade tonight at Satyricon, uh, and they will be playing. I hope there's vodka in heaven. The Britney Spears song. I'm not trying to knock that. I, we're big fans. Just saying. And they might discover how there. big of fans sometime soon. Will they? Oh, they will. Yes. <laughs> anyway. This email says, Rick, I call BS and window washers making a lot of money. And this guy says, this is a city... Oh, I thought they did. Well, I don't know. He's oh. a city employee, and he says in his experience, uh, they are typically a minimum... They pay very little minimum wage, and he said they are sometimes, quote, immigrant workers. So I don't know if that's true or not. It, it seems like you would have to. I mean, I can't imagine... I don't care how hard up you were for a gig. I can't imagine just going to end it. Please put me hanging off the side of a 500-story building with only a tiny piece of nylon saving me from death. All right, well, uh, whatever. Uh, here's uh, Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen, on KCMD Portland. Medical Team International volunteers are heading to the flood-soaked communities of Sheridan and Mist to clean up homes. They're heading to Mist. They're heading to Mist. You know, the Mist took John Lee. That's what it says here, M-I-S-T. Volunteers equipped with blankets, bleach, and mops will uh, help rip out carpeting, remove damaged furniture, and tear down drywall. They're expected to work throughout the weekend in the communities of Sheridan and Mist. Residents of Sharon, tear down this drywall. They're also providing cleaning supplies for those uh, in Vernonia. They're also, uh, the uh, Providence Medical Group is bringing their own mobile medical unit to Vernonia to fill the gap while their flood damage clinic is being cleaned up. Yeah, all right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show, sir, madam, as the case may be. Hey, what's Hello. Up? Hi. Yeah, the that big pink building that would be the U.S. Bancor Tower. Okay, Bancor all right. I can, Tower. I yeah, I can never I can never remember which building that is, but you know the one I'm talking about. And so it's got those yeah. you know, Christmas lights that come halfway down that clearly were put up from the top down. Yeah. And it just and you really look at that and you're like some guy had to hang his ass off the side of a building and hang Christmas lights on yeah. this building. I don't know how many stories that building is, but it's freaking yeah. tall. 40 or 41. 40. Yeah, I mean, I have 40 stories off the ground so I can hang Christmas lights. Yeah. Like, no one will really notice. And if you want a ghetto lunch that's that's still high-rise at the other tall building in town, the one that was kind of 80s, the uh, Wells Fargo Tower. Right. There's, like, a cafeteria, like, up pretty high, like 24. The Wells Fargo Tower is freaky, actually. Uh, Whenever I walk by that building, I sort of look up expecting to see somebody jumping off the top. Yeah, dude, uh, I've done that many times before, going under that uh, that sky bridge between the two buildings. Yeah. Yeah, you look up at the you think, yeah. It seems like a building that someone would use to end their life, and I or Albert Spear would build for the Führer. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Uh, we the um, it does it has that weird Orwellian kind of mm-hmm. feel to it. it does. The freaky thing about that building is if you think about somebody jumping off it, let's all do that now. Okay, oh. and that it it uh, it widens out at the bottom. Yeah. It's it's narrow at the top, and then at the bottom mm-hmm. it flares out, and so <laughs> they would hit the building actually before they hit the ground. Oh, that's true. It, yeah. It's it's a lot more unnerving if you stare up at that building than you do at the Bancor Tower. Yeah, no, the Bancor Tower is weird. It just looks two-dimensional. It looks like a big stick of gum. Yeah, it's... it's uh, All right. Thank you. Anyway, there you go. Bye yeah. now. All right. They could have done better. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, how you doing? Listen, have you uh, brought up Last House on the Left mm. as a bloody film? Uh, The Craven version? Yes, the West Craven in the 1972 film. I haven't seen Last House on the Left for years, but I remember that it really traumatized me. And I remember at the time wondering why I was subjecting myself to it. 
I know it's pretty brutal. The one, the one that, and you were talking about teeth, is when the guy is laying there and they put a chisel on his front teeth. Oh, yeah. And you hear that kink. <laughs> they chisel it off and he wakes up. Wait, what was the sound? Kink. <laughs> but did you know that uh, Jeremy Rain was in it? I don't, I didn't, I don't know. I remember almost nothing about that film except that some friends and I rented it. Around the same time, we rented Silent Night, Deadly Night, and I Spit on Your Grave. And I remember just sitting there at one point going, why are we watching these films? Because it was well, like being kicked in the head over and over. What you need to do is get the gang together and watch it together because the tagline is, it's only a movie. It's only a movie. That's right. I do remember that. Well yeah. done. And good yeah. reference. Thank you, sir. All right. One more, and then we'll uh, do some more news. Then Susan Reynolds is going to come and talk to us here in a few. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. How hey, you doing? What's up? Hey, best show ever. Thank you. Um... Excuse my movie was the uh, uh, Final Destination, the, the first one of the series. Uh-huh. With, when they're hopping on the uh, the airplane and they say uh, something along the lines of, uh, man, it's got to be a really effed up God if uh, they're going to make this plane crash because uh. they see the uh, mentally challenged yard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it was. Yeah. I, I forget who it was that made this observation. It might have been David Duchovny who said this. He talked about he is really happy whenever he's on a plane flight and he sees another celebrity because he's like, you know, there's a celebrity in this plane. It cannot crash. He's like, if you right. get on a plane and Jennifer Aniston is up there, even if she's like way in the front row, he's like, well, of course the plane's not going to crash. Play with Jennifer Aniston and it's not going to exactly. crash at all. And he's like, exactly. that's a guarantee from God that you will live. <laughs> hey, I got another question for you, too. Yeah. The uh, song you guys play, uh, Hope There's Vodka in Heaven, yeah. who's singing that, and where can I get it? Uh, that is a band called Nickel Arcade. They are a local band, and uh, it is myspace.com slash Nickel Arcade Sucks. Right on. All right. Hey, I appreciate it. Best show ever. Thank you. See, there you go. Look at me showing my support right there. You really that are. totally gets me out of going tonight. It's true. And I would be going if I didn't have plans, but yeah. So I, actually, I think I still might go. What time are they on? What time does the show start? Do you know? Um, Is it going to be like them and like a hundred other bands before them? Very special guest. I mean, because that actually might make it more. Yeah, that might okay. make it more likely if it's later uh, in the night. Ten bucks. It's a somebody. See, it's a Lives of Famous Men's CD release party. But with the ten bucks, you get their a free copy of their CD. Hmm. All right. Well, we'll see. I'm a coffee mug. Uh, there's uh, myspacecom slash sucks. Here's Tim Riley. Time for a corpse watch. Here's really yeah. well done. Here's your corpse watch for uh, Friday on the Rick Emerson Show. I'm digging a phone, I'm digging a phone, you're doing things that's better left alone, I'm resurrecting memories of love that's dead and gone, and I'm sitting alone, digging a phone. Well, this comes to us from China, but there's no respect for humans. Their worst fuel crunch in many, many years has led the crematorium to dump half-burned body corpses to try to save costs of diesel fuel. <laughs> Villagers in the southern province of Hunan discovered the practice when an unbearable stench started coming from the site and tried to block a road on Wednesday to stop funeral vehicles from delivering more dead bodies. Oh, Jesus. The village sent people to investigate the smell, and the South China Morning Post said they saw crematorium workers pulling half-burnt human remains and organs and putting them in plastic bags, and throwing them into a nearby ditch. Worst job ever. As the price of diesel rose, one saw more and more bags being thrown out of the crematorium. China was hit by its worst fuel crisis in four years. And the widening gap between low state-regulated domestic prices and market-driven international prices forced the Chinese refiners to cut output. 
Fuel in many parts of the country is rationed with long lines at petrol stations. So, what better way to save money than to have half-burnt corpses? Really, honestly, and how long before they just decide to bow to the inevitable and somehow make the corpses into fuel? I mean, that really children's toys. (laughs) Now, now, Grandma never has to leave you. Uh, so there you go. I should also be noted that in World War Z, of course, it is China that starts the zombie epidemic. They are the ones. So they just they just cut right to the bottom of the page and decide to send the armies of the undead after us. There's your corpse watch. I'm digging a phone. I wonder how they determine when the body's done. Like, they just, you know, get rid of the head or something? Or just the feet? Well, that's disturbing. Well, they probably had a focus group on it <laughs> before they decided what they were going to do. Uh, I was just trying to do some joke there, but I don't, I don't know what it would be. Plenty of opportunity. We could revisit this at some other point. <laughs> um, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, Rick. How hey. you doing? I'm okay. Okay. You ever read the book, Misery? Yes, I did. Uh, I read it uh, a couple times when I was in high school. I'm surprised you didn't talk about, you know, the way she gives him the leg adjustment. Because that's not what they did in the book. In the book, it's an axe. Right, and a torch. Yeah, I remember, and then she cauterizes the wound afterward. I mean, I read that part and practically stood up. I remember, and and the thing I remember about reading the book Misery is that when she uses the axe to take off his foot, uh, that it, quote, hits the bone and makes a sharp squealing sound. (laughs) That's what I remember. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. uh, I never look at Kathy Bates the same way between... That movie and about Schmidt. Oh, she is, yeah. She is a really brilliant actress. I was watching Primary Colors the other day, which is she one of my favorite amazing. political films. She's she, very talented. She plays Libby in Primary Colors and just is so good. She's just unreal. But um, the, um, it, 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 just in, in Misery, I remember in the movie, I think that the sledgehammer actually is worse than the axe because the axe, I think it would just look too fake. But, you know, that sledgehammer... And plus, no one really knows what it would feel like to be hit with an axe. We all kind of know what it would feel like to be hit with an hammer, hammer, because we've all whacked the side of our foot. You know, that little bone that sticks out. I'd say that's probably right. Yeah, we all all whacked the side of our ankle on something, so we know what a sledgehammer might feel like. Yeah, that's a definite effect. Jesus. All right, thank you. Take care. All right, here's Tim Riley. This comes here from Duncanville, Texas. The most popular address on Cedar Ridge Drive is Jim Trulock's split-level home which has a group sex room that attracts as many as 100 people to swingers parties featuring Naked Twister. Wait, what? I'm sorry, I was circling disgusting things in the story about hog brains. Please and back this, up. And this piqued your interest in Please it. back up to swingers parties in Duncanville. Duncanville, Texas. Uh-huh. The most popular address on Cedar Ridge Drive is Jim Trulock's split-level home. It has a group sex room that attracts as many as 100 people to swingers parties featuring Naked Twister. But the festivities could soon be over. In response to neighbors' complaints, the city has outlawed sex clubs in residential areas. It's crazy that they want to force their morality down our throats, says Don Burke, she's 45, a regular guest at the parties. Uh We're all frustrated. You know he's fat and and hideous. You just know it. Don D-A-W-N, it's a lady. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, she probably looks the same as if it were Don D-O-N. So uh, the Sherlock home is transferred into what's called the Cherry Pit. Duncanville proclaims really, itself honestly, as the perfect blend of family, community, and business. An unlikely venue for a neighborhood swingers the club. The Cherry Pit. Mm-hmm. The city of 36,000 in southwest. Wait, hold on. Let me just. These two girls are not really lesbians. 
They are a part of the free-thinking group you have heard about in America today called swingers. <laughs> swingers call themselves sexually free people who take their love and lust where they find it. <laughs> Thank you. All right. So Duncanville proclaims itself as the perfect blend of family, community, and business. Uh -huh. An unlikely venue for a neighborhood swingers club. This is a city of 36,000 that has 50 places of worship and not a single registered sex offender. They insist, the officials of this town, they're just not another prudish Texas town uh -huh. trying to, trying to uh, boot these spouse swappers. It all boils down to a matter of law. This fellow is operating a business featuring live sex acts. I'm not trying to judge it. I want to pass judgment on somebody else's lifestyle, said the city spokeswoman, Tanya Lewis. I, uh, you know, see, I, I hesitate to even plunge into this because then it's just going to start a whole long conversation. Because um, you know that uh, I, uh, for many years, my home was directly across from the, uh, what was then called the Ace of Hearts, uh, which I do believe now is Angel's Sensual Social Club, which, yes, is Ass Club. So, uh, I, uh... <laughs> Because they're, cause they're, you know, witsters. Did somebody have to tell you that, or did you figure that out? I figured it out. Mind. I looked at the sign one day, and I was like, Angel Sensual Social Club. Oh, I see what they did there. Is this Jim Roop? This isn't Jim Roop. Jim Roop's at two, isn't he? No, you scheduled him for one ten. Oh, okay. Well, that's fine. Um, oh, that's right, we have Tommy Thayer. Mm -hmm. um, but um, I wondered how that was legal, you know, that they could have, because I'm, I'm no prude, uh, but I just wondered how it was legal that they could have, like, a wife-swapping club. But I guess that's a private business. Yeah, and it's a it is a business. It's a standalone building. It's not in somebody's home. Uh, I guess if you're doing it in somebody's home, so to speak, uh, they, then I guess it, that is it is in your residential area that you know, like you couldn't run a plaid pantry in your house. Uh, no. So I, I guess that's that what that's what makes sense. I uh, it's not a plaid pantry. It's more of an honor snack. It's an honor box. Please. I came to Dayton to have a family. I didn't come here to live next door to a sex club. No, of course Dead not. One. I, uh, yeah, you know, I, um, I have so much I can say about this. I just don't even know if I should, except to say that the only people I know, and again, I, I don't care. I'm just saying the only people who I know personally, uh, who ever went to the Ace of Hearts, it were actually moderately attractive. Uh, and so, as a result, everybody else was on them like flies on a rib roast. Apparently, they walked in and all heads kind of went and like turned right in their direction. Like, look at the new meat. Uh, so, and I think that was the only time they ever went because they were just uh, the, the, the recipient of all kinds of uh, perhaps unwanted attention. So that is apparently the curse of being a normal-looking person who goes to that club. I guess. Yeah, because I mean, instead of you, you know the big value meal, it's like a, a kid's meal due to their difference in size. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's the worst analogy. Ever. I know that was, wasn't it? <laughs> I don't spend that much time in your neighborhood. Look at that kids' meal there. over there. Let's welcome now the ring. That's gonna find its way into a promo uh, from San Francisco. CNN radio correspondent James Roop. Hello, sir. Howdy. <laughs> How are you? I'm doing okay, thank you. Oh, uh, so your life sucks, and here's why. Uh, we were talking about how everybody who, in my opinion, this is my uh, this is my constitutionally protected journalistic opinion, everybody who is clearly guilty 
of something, in my estimation, always pleads not guilty, thus ensuring that you're going to spend like three months covering something that you just actively hate. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's O.J., it's Scott Peterson, uh, 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 Phil Spector, Barry Bonds, Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson, yeah, yeah name I mean, them all, yeah. Yeah, seriously, you know, how, how do you, the obviously guilty defendant, plead uh, not guilty? Well, fine, wham, you know, and then it's like, and when the judge slams the gavel, it's like he is sentencing you, Jim Roop, to eight months of hell. But it, it would be nice if someone would say, yeah, okay, all right, all right, what do you want me to do? I, I did it. What do you want me to do? How can I make this right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Barry Bonds pled not guilty. Wah, wah. And uh, so what, what is the next step, and when does it happen? When does your punishment begin? Well, the next hearing date is February 7th. He does not have to appear unless this conflict that uh, the prosecutor brought up becomes an issue. The prosecutor is charging that some members of the defense team are also uh, representing other players in this case, and including other witnesses in this case. But if that, if that holds true, then that means Barry Bonds will have to be at the February 7th hearing. Otherwise, he doesn't. And But in, be in between time, the defense will motion for dismissal. A facie dismissal on the on the complaint itself, saying the complaint doesn't hold water, it should be dismissed. The judge will probably deny that, and then uh, we'll all be back in February. Yeah. Uh, so your life just continues to get better with every passing moment. I mean, really though, it, as we always say, this is really just job security for you, uh, and uh, you know, and so you. I mean. You know, I guess you can't complain about it uh, uh, that much. The I know that you you mentioned this the other day, and I, for some reason I've just spaced on there. But what, like in a worst case scenario, what is he facing here? Well, four felony counts of perjury and one obstruction count. And today, when the uh, prosecutor laid it out, when the government laid it out, there's five years maximum possible that uh, is attached to each count of perjury, and then a ten year possible maximum for the obstruction. So I mean, you're looking at thirty years. Yeah. If, uh, you know, we all, we were told earlier that it, it'd be more like 30 months because because of, uh, you know, he doesn't have any priors and it's not money laundering or anything like that. But apparently the prosecutor, he, he's going the whole nine yards with it. All right, then. Well, uh, you are headed back to Los Angeles today, are you not? Yeah, I'm uh, at the airport now, as a matter of fact. All right, my friend. Well, travel safe and, uh, I don't know, drink drink heartily and with gusto when you arrive home. No, no, as soon as I get on the plane. <laughs> Drink heartily and, and with gusto in about an hour. Thank All you, right. sir. All right, my friend. Have one for us and enjoy your weekend. We will talk to you soon, James. All right. Thanks, buddy. There you go. Bye -bye. Jim Roop in Los Angeles. Yes, Sarah Dillon? Let's play Corey Feldman into the break. Oh, we have uh, Corey Feldman. Let me take this one call. And then later on, we have uh, Tommy Thayer from Kiss is going to join us. Scott Dowler from Film Fever Radio. Uh, after the break, uh, Susan Reynolds, I think, is going to come onto the show and uh, share some stuff. Oh, we will get this brain removal headline done. Um... What else? Seems like there was something else that was really. Oh, we're top five, and we're going to play that Clear Channel Christmas thing again. The people have requested that. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. 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 Hi. Are you there? Is it you? Jeff. I don't even think anyone's there. I don't think there, anybody's there. Did you even pick up the line? I did. I picked it up, and normally it disconnects if the person's not there. Uh, all right. Uh, anywho. Oh, wait. Here we go. Rick, this is the actual passage from the book Misery. The axe came whistling down and buried itself in Paul Sheldon's left leg just above the ankle. He heard the blade squeal against the bone as he wrenched it. Uh, she wrenched it free. All right. Well, there you go. Glad we could help. Uh, well, let's uh, let's do one more, and then we'll play Corey Feldman's uh, Christmas cheer into the break. Hi, Tim. 
Are you prepared or are your headphones? Uh, I saw you replugging <laughs> something. Or Well, what happens is we only have light in here, like three feet off the floor. Yeah, yeah and Rick just said it would be a great idea to cover one side of the studio with black curtains that suck out all the light that it's we like have. Y- you can't see below your knees in here. It is like being on the Charlie something. Rose show. Right, it's like plucking dead bodies from the bottom of the Willamette when you drop something here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, well, let's just do this then. Uh, here's Corey Feldman. What? This is what? Jingle Bell Rock? Oh, I don't know the CD. I think it's yeah, Jingle, Jingle Bell, Bell Rock. Rock yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I give you Corey Feldman with Jingle Bell Rock. Back after this. Uh, coming up at the bottom of the hour, more from Tim Riley. We'll do the top five. Uh, later on, Tommy Thayer, Scott Daly, and all that. You... Oh, God. Jingle Bell String and Jingle Bell's Ring. Yeah, okay. Uh, back after this, you stay there to the Rick Emerson Show. Once, and that's when you played it this last year. This is my year. Christmas song. It's so cheese ball. Sarah Dillon Christmas. Oh, the YouTube video is bad. Not even snow, but there's nothing like Christmas right here at home. It may not be white, might be a rainy night, but there's nothing like sharing. Filmed this video and they're swaying back and forth. Really? In Santa hats, dancing in the rain, lip syncing to it. Of course. Why not? Awesome. What's the point of technology if you can't harness it to have you and your friends acting out a sequence from Top Gun in your dorm room? I hope they put this one on American Idol. What's that sound? I think they made. Like, they put their own. Have one. they added their own sound effects? That was her taking away his present. This is a mistake. Okay. Brain removal workers fall ill at Minnesota Pork Plant. I'm afraid this weirdo couple is going to put more sound effects in it, though. being filled in some swingers clubs. I was just going to say, this is the sound of me, me cutting up Boy Scouts with a hacksaw. Since we're speaking about gifts of love, you know the Ace of Hearts wanted to advertise on the station at one point. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I still wanted to go see the inside. Weren't we going to go on a tour? Were we? Weren't we? As weird as it sounds, I mean, again, and I... There's the sound effects again. 
It's another present. I mean, again, you know, I, doesn't matter to me. I, very generous. I don't pass judgment, but it would be sort of interesting just to see the layout of that. Purse. Absolutely. Well, so somebody... So like hot tub rooms and then like a big buffet? Well, here's the thing. That could be the next listening party. <laughs> oh, that's the worst that you've ever said. <laughs> or the most awesome. <laughs> okay, I'm writing that down. That was something I just can put back in my mouth after an escape. Listener party 12. Come hump somebody else's wife. <laughs> yeah. We're only inviting people Boobs. from Gresham. Gresham and Clackham is county yeah. only. God, he'd be all over that. That's a weight requirement. Yeah. A minimum. You must be at least this fat to get into this club. I'm sorry. We shouldn't. Because, you know, the thing is, you know we've got somebody in the audience who goes there. Yeah. If not many somebody. Oh, we're not one to judge. No, I'm hideous. I mean, I'm just saying, you know, you know that there are any number of people in the audience who probably go to that place now. It's only skin. Lots of it. <laughs> yards and yards of pink skin. <laughs> no, I mean like on your arms and whatnot. Not everyone's pink, Rick. We're all pink on the inside, Sarah. True. How far can we possibly take this? Uh, so, well, somebody, you know what? Somebody will email us and invite us for a tour. You know they will. That'll be fun to explain. Hi, honey, I'm going to be home late tonight. Sarah and I are touring a swingers club together. You just, uh, you get dinner for yourself. I'll fix something when I get home. So when are we interviewing? Tommy Thayer? Yeah, because he's in the hallway. Well, he's on with Bozik, and uh, I think we're at 2 o'clock, something like that. I said 2. Uh-oh, you better make Maybe like to try to stand at Christmas in the Northwest. Perhaps. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the Ministry of Truth, it's Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. By the way, can we summon Richie Bristol? you have the Richie Bell? Richie Bristol, please. Uh, welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, uh, Richie Bristol. Hello, Richie Bristol. Hello. Hi. Uh, so are we, Tommy Thayer, 2 o'clock? Do we know that? Is that He's true? He's right here in the hallway. I know. I'm just saying. So would, I don't, he, would he prefer to go earlier? Because here's the thing. I don't know. I don't know his schedule because I know he was on with Bozik and he's signing some stuff for the Rockathon at KUFO. If he'd rather do it now, we can do it now. Why don't you talk to him? Find out what works for him. And uh, I, you know, I know he's a busy guy, so we'll do like one segment. Uh, so why don't you uh, talk to Tommy Thayer and see what works for him, and we'll uh, bring him now if he wants to come in now. Okay. So, thank you. All right. There you go. Very All right. Nice. Fantastic. Uh, here's Tim Riley. Well, that Vancouver man who owned a cheerleading school and coached youngsters has pled guilty today to one count of first-degree sexual misconduct no, with a minor. Really? 28-year-old Neil A. Finger. Neil <laughs> A. F Finger? Mm -hmm. Wait, no, uh, I'm sorry. Finger? I barely knew her. All right. Uh, admitted to having uh, sex with an underage uh, youngster. I like the fact that not only not only is the word finger in his name, but the word Neil as well. Mm -hmm. Neil A. Finger faces six to Neil A. Bob. <laughs> Bob. Ah! I'm sorry. The Coos Bay World uh, reports that Coos. two... We might have met these ladies when we were out there. The Coos Bay World, a newspaper out there, reports that two cows have led police officers on a wild cow chase through the streets of Coos Bay. You see, the driver stopped for gas, where his truck was towing a livestock trailer. After getting his fill-up, he drove away, but his cow stayed behind. Apparently, he failed to properly close the back door, and the cows escaped. 
Well, these bodacious bovines led police officers on the chase throughout the city, <laughs> rushing up and down the high school area, past the post office, back downtown, and even into the bay. At last check, the chase appeared to be slowing down near the waterfront, according to Coos Bay World. Kent Rockman, Springfield Action News. All right. Uh, coming up here uh, later on the program, we got the Scott Daly from Film Fever Radio. Uh, we'll do the top five Kiss songs you probably don't know but really ought to. Uh, on that tip, as the kids say, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, Tommy Thayer of Kiss. Hello, sir. How Hi, are you? Rick. Good, Good to, to see you. you, my friend. Well, it's great to be here. Hey, thank you for coming in. And uh, I have to. This spares me the embarrassment, by the way, of finding something for you to sign. You actually brought the uh, photo with you. I did because I knew I heard you were a big fan and, I'm and a huge uh, fan. I uh, wanted to make sure we got something here for you. Uh, I saw you most recently uh, in Vancouver with Poison a couple years back. Yeah, uh, right. Sarah was there too, actually. We were both I was. It was awesome. Um, <laughs> so, uh, first and foremost, I know you are in town because there's a benefit uh, yes. happening. Yeah, it's very important. Uh, a, a, a real, very dear friend of ours has uh, been sick. Uh, it's a guy, one of my best friends that we grew up with here in Beaverton, and uh, he needs help. And we're getting together and doing, I've, I've organized a benefit show tomorrow night, and my old group, Black and Blue, is going to get together and do a set, and then we're going to have uh, some uh, guest stars and some you know, local musician friends. We're all going to get together and play together, and it's just going to be a great party. It's tomorrow night at Verbotti's, Saturday night, downtown, uh, black and blue. And we're going to go down there and, and raise money for Kenny Nordone, who, uh, like I said, is, is a great friend of all of ours, and, and he really needs help right now. He hasn't been able to work for a year, and uh, uh, he's... Uh, uh, just, you know, such a good friend that we need to help him out. We need to raise a lot of money, and we need everybody down there to, to support us. And Black and Blue is a really legendary band anyway. It's <laughs> one of those, I mean, these bands that you always hear. There are certain bands that sort of in the history that people always bring up. The Crazy Eights are another one. Yeah. Where people are like, oh, were you here when the Crazy Eights played? You know, and it's just, you know, or Club X-Ray. A lot of those things sort of in the history that people that people bring up. And uh, it, obviously, this, I'm, I'm sure that a billion people have told you this, but I remember seeing the... The Oregonian picture of you, uh, where they did this cover story that was in the living section when you guys, when Kiss and Poison was going to be playing here, and it's that photograph of you when you're what, 15, something like that, dressed oh, up as, as Ace Frehley? Yeah, like 13, actually. Yeah. yeah. And then it's like, side by side uh, with you in the full makeup playing with Kiss in front of however many people. The two photos, I mean, that says the whole story right there. Because I was just a kid here, grew up in, you know, in Beaverton, 13 years old. I was a big fan of Kiss, and I put Ace Frehley makeup on just like everybody else did on Halloween, and and uh, that was just a thrill for me. And so, ironically, it's, you know, how things come full circle in your life, and all of a sudden I'm in the band, you know, in that makeup, yeah. on stage with Kiss, you know, as a member of the band. I mean, and it's just even looking at it just myself, and, I, you know, I'm nothing more than just a, a rock nerd. I mean, that's really my whole participation in it is just being a fan. It just bends your brain in half to see that. And I can't, I mean, you probably... Maybe you could couldn't even put into words probably the sensation the first time where you're like I have become he yeah you know, you know? it's it's you know it's cliche to say oh it's a dream come true and yeah. and uh, but I mean it's just amazing some of the things that happen in life sometimes when when you put your mind to something and it's not that I was just focusing on just doing that but you know it's definitely something that I've always loved and had a passion for and and, and I've always loved Kiss and and it's interesting how things work out. You were in the KISS uh, organization for a long time. They do other stuff. I watched uh, The Second Coming, That's which right. is a great documentary. And you, what, wrote or directed? Wrote and directed? I, I, I produced and directed you it. The whole thing. Yeah, uh, that has got one of the most amazing KISS sequences I have ever seen, if I may just nerd out for a moment. Uh, there is a sequence leading up to uh, their show at a giant stadium. Yeah. Uh, you know, which no, Tiger Stadium. Tiger Stadium, yeah, Tiger. Uh, which you know sold out in whatever, like four seconds or something. That's right. And it was the first show back 
after the reunion and they did whatever. And, and the way it is cut together, and I've done, you know, just a couple of small like indie films or whatever myself, and I love something that is well done. There is a sequence where Paul is doing the, the voiceover and he's talking about, you know, they, they were ready for us. We wanted them. They wanted us. And it is a slow motion montage cutting back and forth from the crowd in the dark with the light bulbs going off and that low kiss drone that they play where it's just like one guy holding down the lowest note on a keyboard for like an hour like and then you cut from that back and forth to just from like the knees down well the limos pull into the backstage area yeah and you got a low shot you see the boots step you know jeans boots step out of the car you know, and it's just this whole anticipation and the, the tension. Oh you know? man, it, it builds for, and it just seems it seems like it takes about a week for it to unfold. Yeah. And you're sitting there watching the screen, and I remember watching it, you know, sitting on the couch in Vancouver watching it years after the fact, and still just like feeling myself getting. I mean, even now I feel like the tension sort of build, <laughs> cutting back and forth from the crowd, the drone, the boots, the crowd, the flash, the dark, the bright, the whatever, yep. and then and then it's just that final moment when you hear that, all right, Detroit, <laughs> you know, and I'm just. I mean, you know, you do that very well. Oh, my God. You should come out on the road with us because we always need somebody to Dude, do that. I'm telling you right now, you, you pick your charity, I'll sign my house over to them. <laughs> telling you right now, Rick Emerson is on call. <laughs> I will give you my phone. You call me, Rick, you need to be in Hawaii in one hour to do this. Okay. I am there. So anyway, so, well, I mean, just congratulations. And again, just, what are the what are the immediate plans on the on the KISS front? Well, KISSology Volume 3 is coming out in two weeks on December 18th. And uh, we're actually auctioning one off on KUFO, yes. uh, which is a, a, a great uh, coup for any KISS fan Absolutely. Uh, today. Uh, but uh, in March, uh, in a couple months here, March 08, we are starting our 08 tour down in Australia and uh, also going to New Zealand. And we are playing down at the, uh, the the Australian Grand Prix race. Actually, we're doing a big concert at the race on March 16th. So. Right. Australia is kind of a weird uh, KISS market, though, because it's they, they sort of gravitate to things that maybe... You know, apart from whatever, you know, rock and roll all night or start or whatever, you go to Australia and it's like, play Shandy! You know, and it's <laughs> you know, you're absolutely right. You know why that is? Is because <laughs> Kiss became like the Beatles in Australia in 1980, and the the record that was out at the time was Dynasty, yeah. and then on un, Mass. So <laughs> I was made for loving you, Shandy. Talk, play Torpedo Girl! Tor yeah, you know, talk to me. These were all huge, huge songs over there. So you go over there, and that, that you know, they want to hear. Hear that stuff, which is great, and, and we've never, you know, people over here are like, what, you know? Yeah, and it, it's kind of an under. We're gonna do this top five later. There's the top five Kiss songs people ought to know that probably don't, and they, you know that I will. That there's something from Dynasty on that list that's not "I Was Made for Loving You." It's just, you know, and it's kind of an underrepresented period in a lot of ways. And I have a friend of mine, uh, my friend Chris Morris, is always just he. I won't say furious, but it just it sort of he always looks at like you know the the, the animal eyes and the crazy nights, and he just to him it is just like a crime that, that doesn't get played more often and whatever. So it's you know it is it is as you Paul know, said it is a big kiss world out there. It is you know it's whatever era that when you became of age as a kid when yeah. you were fourteen fifteen those kind of magical years whatever time that was for you that was the that's the music that kind of you know resonates in your mind and has that real sentimental tug you know. When you got 15, 16-year-old type. The show is happening this Saturday, Burbati's Black and Blue, a benefit this Saturday. Is there a website for this? Can people uh, No, not actually more? not. It's just, you know, we're just putting the word of mouth out, and we're just gracious for you to have us here today uh, to talk about it on the radio. But tomorrow night at Burbati's, my old group, Black and Blue, all of us guys, we're getting together for a great show. 
for Kenny Nardone, who is one of our very good friends, to raise money because he's very sick with cancer right now and he needs help. And uh, we're also going to be auctioning a uh, one of Paul's uh, signature model guitars, all signed by the, the members of KISS. We're going to be auctioning that live uh, tomorrow night, and, a, and also a guitar signed by the members of Black and Blue. And we've got a lot of raffles, and, and I've got a lot of KISS you know, calendars, T-shirts, all kinds of Excellent. great stuff, DVDs and things for raffle prizes, and it's just going to be a fun night, and, and, and it's for a great cause, and, and you know, I know you hear that all the time, but this is really something that is near and dear to our hearts, and we hope that everybody comes down there and has a good time, and, and you won't get a chance to see Black and Blue play too often either, so this is a rare moment for Excellent. that. Fantastic. So. Uh, i got to ask you the big final obvious question. What, do you have, what is your favorite song to play uh, when you're on stage with those guys? You know, I, I've always liked 100,000 Years. Yeah. Um, I, we just played Come On and Love Me over there. Um, you know, I really like God Gave Rock and Roll to you. Ah, you know, beautiful song. You know, that is you know, but I love them all, and, and it's just, you know, it's a joy, and, and uh, you know, just what a great fortune for me to be playing in KISS. All right. Know. Tommy Thayer, thank you so much. The show is tomorrow night. Uh, Burbati's, uh, a benefit. Black and Blue will be playing there. Lots of other stuff happening as well. Tommy Thayer, thank you so much, hey. my friend. Thank you for coming in. Thank you for having me, and, and we'll see everybody tomorrow night down at Burbati's. Absolutely. Let's take a break here, and we'll come back after this. The Rick Emerson Show continues. Uh, top five coming up here in just a skosh. Scott Daly from Film Fever Radio and uh, more. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. On hold, we have somebody who claims to be, I'm quoting now, a bouncer at a swingers club so to speak. I've seen the people who go to the Swingers Club. I suspect there's a lot of bouncers there. Oh, really? You know what I mean. Acres and acres and acres of skin. Uh, let's welcome out of the Rick Emerson Radio Program, CBS Radio Portland Marketing Guru, Susan Reynolds. Hello. Good afternoon. How are you? I am well, thank you. Let's talk KU with a rockathon. Let's. All right. Uh, so this is for the Perry Center? Yes. For children, which is uh, what uh, at, is this? I can never get this straight. Is it at-risk children, or are these children with, with chemical... They provide mental health services okay, all right. for all sorts of uh, uh, mental health situations. So they have an outpatient uh, care. They have residential care. It's really wonderful. And and we've been doing this. This is our ninth year. And uh, we've raised uh, over $300,000 in those eight years. Excellent. So we're, you know, we're hopeful for today. And I know Tommy was over. Uh, we just talked to Tommy Thayer. I know right. he was over there on KUFO as well. Um, where the hell did I put my rocket thumb thing? Wait, hold on. Here it is. Because uh, he was signing some stuff. And I know you guys got uh, well, you've got the guitar, the Gibson guitar signed by Ozzy Osbourne and Zach Wilde. Yeah, and that is really cool. Uh, Jer- Jerry Springer action figure signed <laughs> by Jerry Springer. And I had to leap through a few hoops to get that done. Please tell the story of how you got the Jerry Springer action figure signed. Well, you know, I, I first decided to go to the Jerry Springer website. Of course, it's a it's quite a website if you haven't been. Right. <laughs> I highly recommend it. It's very entertaining. So uh, I really just wanted to talk to somebody in the publicity, you know, somebody in the sure. back office so I could get, you know, get this thing done. And you can't, you get into a voicemail from hell situation. Right, it's right. constantly press this for tickets, this for directions. Sure. Anyway, then they have a whole other page on the website that says, 
If your life is like the Jerry Springer show, dial this number and ask for Renee. If you're, you know, if you're um, engaged to be married but uh, already cheating on your fiance, dial this number and ask for uh, Sonia. If you, you know, are pregnant with the baby of Kodos and Kang, dial this yeah. number and ask for, you know, Brittany. So I, <laughs> so I started dialing the numbers. I thought, what, you know, somebody's going to answer eventually, <laughs> and they did. And um, you which know, number did you dial? Uh, well, I started at the top. So first, my life was like the Jerry Springer show, which you know. It, which some days <laughs> I work here, right? Yes. So uh, anyway, I finally got somebody to answer the phone, and and uh, she was expecting me to, you know, come out with this big long story. And really, all I said was, I have a Jerry Springer action figure that I like time for charity. <laughs> Who can I speak to, please? Excellent. And so they they switched me back to somebody in publicity, and we got it done. So Fantastic. He was more than willing. Well, there you go. Uh, so that's so we get it, and then the other because I watched by Bo's studio today, and I heard Inagata Davida play. Yeah. And I thought well, that's kind of odd. And then I walked by later, and they were playing. Your song by Elton John, right? Which is fantastic. Uh, and so apparently, the, what I guess if you if you like kind of kick in a pledge, then something you, they can make them play whatever you want. Right. The the bare minimum uh, charge is twenty five bucks to get a song played, and right. that's and, and that's a song that maybe we already play, but on this special day, you know, right. if we're trying to raise money, then it goes up from there. So you know, if it's a butt rock song, we add a butt rock tax. <laughs> okay. And that's just, it's just a judgment call, you know. So um. So now, how much would it cost we at the Rick Emerson show? Uh, to have a song played. Yes, on we are interested in particular. Yeah, there's a song we wish to have played. Well, it depends on the song, so we would have to, uh, you know, be aware of it if we have to download it from iTunes or if it's something we already have here. Uh, let's well, say if we know that it's been played on your station before. Let's say we know that it's maybe not on the regular playlist, uh-huh. but it has been played on KUFO. Yeah, well, you know, now on the one hand, we could give you the employee discount, but it, today it's is for a the fundraiser. children. I don't exactly. expect a discount from. All right, I'm just, I'm just a talking mouth here. Rick has the wallet. Okay. Yeah. What do so I? You, yeah. Can so I whatever just, can amount I is off? necessary. Is this deductible? It is, and we will give you a receipt. <gasps> Tax deductible. I love those Cha-ching, words. Right? All right, there you so go. So we will give you a receipt. Depending on the song, it could be 35 45 50 bucks. You know, it sort of depends. I just feel like Gene Simmons. Can I write this off? Yes, you can. Is this deductible? Yes, it is. Uh, all right. So, um, actually, okay. So, uh, so Sarah and I have a song in mind. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say this on the air quite yet. Let me write this down. Um, all right. So if we were to have that... That song, play, right, right. What what are you supposed to go and write for that song would be? I'd say that would be in the thirty-five to fifty dollars. All right, range. sold and sold. Well, which which range are you going? <laughs> huh. Well, wait. Well, now, what is the difference between thirty-five to fifty? Well, right? I, I'm going to have to go discuss it with the program director oh, I see. and um, and work out a deal with him. But right. I I'm pretty pretty confident. All right. That I can get that done for you. All right. Can, and, uh, can I? And we, uh, we take uh, credit cards. These are master cards. I got it right here. Oh. And can I? You now, can we arrange so that song is not played until after we're done <laughs> off the air, so everybody doesn't flip over and start listening to KUFO? No offense. Of course. <laughs> um, which is fine. But, you know, you could have found a better way to work. I'm just saying. He's honest. I'm just saying. You know, and I like a little bit of the dramatic buildup. So you know, we'll reveal maybe at the end of the program what song we're going to have KUFO play for. Yeah, us. like a 257. Exactly. That's see. That's what I'm talking about. And that's a short song. So it, you'll be able to be back in time for Lycus. <laughs> okay. Thing. That's what I'm saying. So, you know, it's it's a fairly short song. They can tune over. They can hear it. Uh, support KUFO, the Perry Center, and then, you know, that way they won't have to miss any of Tom. And while they're listening to whomever they listen to this afternoon, they could go to KUFO.com and peruse all the fabulous auction items because there are some great things. Absolutely. That's what I'm talking about right there. So, all right. All um, right. Okay. So, uh, so... I guess we will let you talk to uh, talk to the PD. I will, and, and then uh, we will fill out the appropriate paperwork, right. 
And we will take your credit card and run it. We have people standing by at the credit card machine, which is hooked up. You've and been ready. having it here. That's awesome. Oh, we do. We do. Excellent. So thank right. you for the support of okay. your sister station. Uh, KUFO.com. Uh, their Rockathon for Kids to Benefit Trilliums Perry Center for Children. Uh, KUFO.com is the uh, is the website to find out more about that. All right. Excellent. Susan Reynolds, CBS Radio Portland Marketing Guru. Thank you, Susan. Thank you. Thank you for the pizza really as well, by the way. Yeah, thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, they did. Uh, I normally and I really dig your outfit today. Oh, I thank you. And I typically don't eat on the air, but I had no breakfast. And I watched you during the commercial break shovel in. I'm unhindering my jaw like a velociraptor. <laughs> I've never seen your mouth full. I honestly have never <laughs> seen anything like this before. I'm just shoving it in as fast. I just kept eating and eating. I'm just shoving it in as fast as I possibly can. I know. It really is. I've sort of lost my appetite now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Now you're choking. I just choked on something. <laughs> So gross. We're like in a small room. There's no ventilation. You're coughing. Your little gross pizza particles are floating toward me. Pizza particles. I sense a new snack food from Totino's. Oh. You want to stick around and talk to the bouncer from the Swingers Club? You know, I'll pass on that. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, Susan Reynolds. All right. There. Thank you, Susan. Yes. Right. For dealing with our inanity again. Thank you. No problem. All right. <coughs> All right. Have we taken our break? Are we good for now? Yeah, we're good. All right. Uh, let's take this call. Then we'll bring in Scott Daly here in a few, plus the top five and so forth. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? Hello. Hey. Hey, I used to be a bouncer at a local swingers club that is not the uh, not the ace. Well, I, are there is there more than one? Uh, once upon a time, there were. Uh, I don't even know what I – it's such a weird line to walk right now because I don't know what I can say and what I can't say. Right. Um, he used to – Guy that ran this place ran a very local, uh, very popular local uh, event every year for swingers called the Rose City. Let's just, uh, it's the, you know what? If yeah, we were, if, if we were to do this, <clears throat> you know how in the, in the military they don't say uh, BS, they say Bravo Sierra. Okay. Let's just say uh, it's a it's a uh, a sex act with many many people, the initials of which are glorious bastard. Oh yeah, excellent. Yeah, there you go. On your feet. Okay. And so, what? I mean, what is the job of a bouncer at that? Is that if just somebody, somebody ignores the no means no rule, and you uh, you just go boot them out? Pretty much, yeah. You're very much a politician in the sense that, like, you're kind of just shaking hands, well, not touching anybody, but you're you're walking around, basically being a presence, so everybody feels safe. Uh, because it was downtown, there would occasionally be drunken, incoherent people showing up, and uh, they didn't understand the no, you know. The policy of, you know, if somebody says no, then leave. They didn't quite get that. Right, right, right. Excellent. All right. And so when, what year uh, was that that you were doing that? Oh, just a couple of years ago, maybe uh, two years ago, three years ago. Let me ask you this. Business. Most of the people there, uh, hideous or pretty? <laughs> well, I don't have much in the terms of standards, so I don't know. It, <laughs> they, they, um, Pretty awful. They're, you know, I can attest, you know, you said your friends were attractive. They went into the ace and they got swarmed on. One time I saw a young, attractive couple, and it was kind of terrifying. Like, I kind of felt like I needed to take extra care of them that night because there are a lot of skeezy dudes. Uh, and the ratio is what's, what's the trip about it is, like, there will be 60 dudes, 60 dudes, maybe 59 of which are skeezy, uh, like terrifying looking than this one attractive couple. So, I mean, and like the women that are there are typically old too. If they're not old, they're fat. Okay. Well, thank you so much for confirming what I always feared to be the case. <laughs> All right. Thank, thank you, sir. Very welcome. All right. There you go. 
All right. Well, so do you wish to, you wish to tour the uh, whatever it is the Ass Club? You wish to tour it when it's empty. Yes. You don't wish to tour it when it's in full uh, swing, so to speak. No, I really have no desire to see other people having sex. <laughs> well, and especially people of, you know, where you just don't know what you're going to get. Just like in general. That's not, it's like not a, really a thing that I'm into. It's like a mixed bag, I think, especially. It's uh, sort of like a, uh, that's like a box of chocolates, but, you know, half of them are just filled with, uh, you know, with lard. So. Yeah. Uh, hey, Richie Bristol, uh, let's welcome uh, Scott Daly to the uh, radio program now. Let's, uh, let's do that. Let's uh, bring now... The, uh, thank you. The Rick Emerson Show from FilmFeverRadio.com. Scott Daly. Hello, sir. Hello. How are you, brother? I'm doing... I'm Tommy Thayer, brother. That's... How cool is that? Saw him at, at uh, with uh, with Kiss at, what, Clark County? The Clark County Amphitheater? Like, I don't know, however many thousand people that is. Uh, as Ace Fraley. I wow. Mean, you know, it's the best thing ever. That's and cool. It, and it's just that guy, you know, you just said it. There's just no way to describe... What that must be, you know, you grow up as a Kiss fan. Oh, and then hey, would you like to play the Spaceman role? You're like, oh, yes, you know, yes, and just I so. Do. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to, you know, I know Kiss for you is like Duran Duran for me. Yeah. So it's like, you know, if I had like Simon Levon on my show, I'd be like, Argh. yeah, no, it's so uh, you handled the interview very well. No, it's very. I mean, how many times you get to talk to a guy from Kiss? I exactly. mean, that's him and Peter Chris actually. That's two. So that's more. actually in the space of about six months, we've talked to, uh, you know, talked to a, a current member of Kiss. Uh, and a classic member. Yeah, yeah. So and uh, you've had uh, Paul and Gene say your name and mention your show numerous times. That really is true. So in a way, we've kind of gotten like four of the nine people in Kiss. That have done. <laughs> four of the 14 people that have been in that band over the last couple of years. That's fantastic. All right. Uh, let's see. What are we doing here? Well, we got... Um, I'm looking at here. Okay, here's what we got to get done. Uh, we're talking about Golden Compass. we got the top five to do more from Tim Riley. Somebody asked us to replay the Clear Channel uh, Christmas thing. Um, oh, and we got uh, a pair of I Am Legend tickets. We'll do that before the uh, program is over. Oh, let's talk Golden Compass, which I think Tim said he was going to go see, but apparently it's crap. It's so. ass. Yeah. <laughs> there you go, Tim. Have fun with that. There's my official review. Yeah. Now, Golden Compass is uh, the, a film based off the book. Uh, based on uh, this is a series of books, four or five books, I believe the author's name, I'm going to get this wrong, it's not Bill Pullman, but it's something like that. Um, Happy McSuck. Something like that, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's a series of, of three or four books, and the book, Golden Compass, is very good. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fantasy, the kids, um, kind of like, I wouldn't say it's, it's a kid's book, but it's kind of, in, kind of like in the vein of Harry Potter. You know, it, it's a book everybody can enjoy. Uh, the Golden Compass film, though, is two hours of exposition that, that where nothing happens. Well, okay. It's, 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 it's I'm like, there. It's like the it's, uh, and Aaron actually compared this to episode one. It's like we're introduced to all these characters, and then they're gone. Here's a lot of prologue that goes nowhere. Exactly. Daniel Craig's character you see on screen for maybe 20 minutes, mm -hmm. which really sucks because that's the reason we wanted to see it. Totally. Now, the technology in the film is beautiful. It's kind of this futuristic, classic style. Uh, airships and, and, and um, you know, uh, fantastical... Uh, uh, carts and transportation. It's a beautiful film. It's very well done. It's just the story. It just goes on and on and on, but never goes anywhere. Even after reading the book, which right. I was really excited for, nothing happens. Um, and it's funny because towards the end of the book, the two two of the uh, the protagonists are kind of hunkering down after after they fought their battle and they're like, okay, well now we've got to go do this, 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 and this. I think to myself, my God, I hope I don't do it now because I want this damn thing to be over. Yeah. So it's, it's really setting itself up for the sequel in the second book in the series. Um, 
you know what? I don't think I, I it's not. I don't think it's going to do very well. I think on a strong opening weekend, but I think people are going to learn this movie really is no good. It doesn't go anywhere. It actually kind of doesn't make sense if you if you if you haven't if you have read the book, you're like, uh, okay, but nothing really happens. Best performance in the film is Sam Elliott. Uh, he he appears as, as does he beat as, someone's ass? Well, of course he's Sam Elliott. Does he show up and tear someone's throat out? That's just, that's what beat he does. One for dinner, and then he's and, gone. And uh, Ian, McCullough, Ian McClellan does a the voice of a of a polar bear. Uh huh. And you could tell he's just he's just doing it for the money. Yeah, no, totally. It's like, it. All right, a total cash damn run. Polar, you know, three hours in the in the it's, studio and he's it's done. It's a Bill Murray Garfield thing. Completely, oh, yeah. completely, yeah. completely. So. It really is. I mean, if you, if you love the book, don't see the film because it will ruin your image of the book, which is too bad. Uh, Nicole Kidman looks fantastic, but she's just really, there's not a whole lot for her to grab onto. At first, she, she came on very strong on the screen, um, and she's like, oh, cool, finally a character I can get interested in. But they don't do enough with her. And it's just, it's it, all in all, it's just a big old disappointment. Well, all right then. So <laughs> There you go. I'm looking forward to Sweeney. I Am Legend, and my buddy Dave down in L.A. saw Sweeney Todd last night at the Paramount Studios. Right. And, and? He said it's great. He says the music, the, he says it's a beautiful film. We're seeing it next week. We'll have our full review next week. But uh, but Sweeney Todd is the one I'm looking forward to this Christmas. Cool. Uh, and then I saw that there's the uh, trailer for... Um, Prince Caspian, which is the second Chronicles of Narnia yes, film. Yes, next up. year. Next and I, I got to tell you, I never saw the first one just because it looked terrible. It really was. Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe looked awful. It was okay. Gold, uh, it was a little better than Golden Compass. All right, well, we'll give it that. But, but yeah, Prince Caspian. Um, actually, that's coming out next Christmas. So let me uh, let me just read this. We've got. Uh, I do want to finally read this article. I've been teasing this forever. This is the best headline of the week. Brain removal workers fall ill at Minnesota pork plant. Daylight, Minneapolis. State health officials said Monday they were investigating neurological illnesses among 11 workers at a pork processing plant, but that there was no evidence the public was at risk, of course. Health Commissioner Dr. San Morgan said there was no evidence that food coming out of the quality pork processing plant in Austin was contaminated. However, the workers handling the pork had symptoms such as numbness and tingling in all their, all their extremities. They were hospitalized, and now we're going through rehabilitation. Um, let's see here. Uh, the patients included men and women from all ranges of, uh, ranges of ages and ethnicities, but they all worked in the same part of the plant, removing hog brains with con compressed air. Oh, oh. God. It's like having, spraying the brain away. It's like Javier Bardem's character in No Country for Old Men. Totally. Or that guy at the, that guy in Texas <laughs> Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the sledge. You give me five dollars. Um, none of the other plants uh, workers reported similar symptoms. There have been no similar reports at their other large hog slaughterhouses. Quality pork owner Kelly Watting, that got that's got to get the girls. Said workers who butcher the hog heads have been given more protective clothing while they remove hog brains with compressed air. Now, you know what the implication of that is. When they say they give more protective clothing, that really means that when you're using an air gun... Uh, okay, we know what it means. That's just a whole lot of brain splatter going on there. <laughs> Where exactly does the air gun go? Do you put it underneath the stem to release it? or oh, how, how does that see, work exactly? I don't really know the answer. I never really thought about it until it's just now. with a big spoon. A spoon. Um, she said the symptoms are not consistent with repetitive stress injury or with the family of diseases such as mad cow disease or... Did you know that sheep get a disease called scrapey? <laughs> 
Scrapey? S-C-R-A-P-I-E. Scrapey. Sounds like a name of a dog I had when I was growing up. Or like a mascot for brain <laughs> removal. Hi, I'm Scrapey the brain remover. I'm Troy McClure. Be sure to cover your eyes when blasting pig brains out of their skulls. Well, all right, there you go. What exactly is Scrapey? I don't really know the answer, and I don't think I'd like to know, because I'm sure it's horrifying in almost every way. So there you go. Fantastic. All right. Uh, let's see. It's 503-733-2970. Hello, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Sir, madam, as the case may be. Hi. Hey. How's hey. it going? What's up? So, Sarah said she went through the, the old Ace of Hearts. The, what is now yeah. the, the Angel Sensual Social Club, yes. Yeah, or the... Other names that oh, we've yeah. been calling it lately. Ash, yes. Yeah. It's an acronym, um, yes. <clears throat> now would be a perfect time because uh, ever since they changed the name, there hasn't been lick one of uh, people there. Lick one. Uh, it, it's, it's gone downhill big time. I mean... How do you know this? Please, I, I, well, if, yeah, How I'm, do I know this? I've been a member for over 10 years and... and member. ...been going and... Yeah, knock it off. Remember, I barely knew her. Let me ask you this, and please, please, let's just try to keep this whole answer brief, but is there some, like, saga we need to know about? I mean, why would the name change result in it no longer? I mean, Did why? Did they bring their clientele? Yeah, why, is it like some, why, why was there a name change? Some unpleasantness? I mean, why did the name, I mean, you know, you change the name of a restaurant, if you still like the food, you would still go. Why, why no longer anybody going? There was some unpleasantness that is... Not to be discussed over the air um, between the owner and a certain manager who copyrighted the name. Oh, I see. All right. So there's some sort of a political falling out behind the scenes. Yeah, it's all legalities and court right. system right now. But, well, so there uh, you go, sir. Apparently now is the time. Now, now is, is the, the off time. season at the uh, Angel Central Social Club. Yes? My only question for, for Sarah would be is why would you want to tour it? I want to see what it's... I've never seen a swingers club. I have no idea what one would look like. I'm, I'm totally curious to see what it looks like inside. Because you know, here's for me. I, I, I don't know either. And but in my head, somehow, it kind of looks like, um, I don't know. It looks like a, sort of a white, like a like a, a white collar cubicle office meets like a bad 70s rec room where it's like I a bunch of see if it matches up to the image in my mind yeah like it's i see like room. i see like little cubicles and maybe and small small offices but with bad wood paneling everywhere and shag well, carpet okay there's no there's no shag carpeting there's no wood paneling but the the small cubicles be replaced by mattresses so <laughs> or in a water bed uh-huh but they're but they're, they're final coated like Vinyl coated. Oh. <laughs> I have a vinyl coated. Uh, and this is why. Strip and side. They have, they have sheets. They have sheets. They have towels. They have. I mean, everything's wiped down and cleaned down with like oh. hospital sanitizer every night. So, yeah, you know. that job. <laughs> the person who draws the shortest straw ever. Um. All right. Now, do you, now you don't work there. You're simply a member, so to speak. Yeah, I'm. I'm just. I'm. I'm a. Overly a patron member. Right, are, are there are there monthly or yearly dues you have to pay to be a member? Yeah. Says Scott $50. innocently. No, I'm just I've always I'm like Sarah. I'm very curious. Well, you it's probably couldn't. I mean, not to bring it's, up unpleasantness. You probably couldn't join anyway because you're a single guy. At I wouldn't want to join. No, but I'm saying I don't think a single. Isn't it like a couple? You like a single guy can't join. I have join. no idea. Yes, he can. Oh, rep. Well, I, so I, I, I am a single guy now. My my relationship has ended, and I'm now a single guy. Uh huh. It's fifty dollars a year for me to go. And then, well, it's fifty dollars a year for me to be a member, and then seventy-five dollars a night to go. A night. A night. A well, 
Jeez. Oh, some guys bowl. If you want to go on a Saturday night, it's 100 bucks to get in. Yeah, I just can't. Imagine the porn you could buy with $100. I mean. Have you yeah, had good experiences of this? Like, does it seem worth the money? I've had some extremely uh, awesome experiences and awesome. some not so awesome experiences. All right. Okay. So, uh, well, do me a favor. Uh, I guess um, I'm going to put you on hold. Give Richie your, like, your email address, your phone number, or whatever. And okay. uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll do a thing. We'll go uh, we'll go scope the place out so we can uh, you know satisfy <laughs> our morbid curiosity. <laughs> yeah, I'll take her. I'll take her anytime. You know, no <laughs> I'll take her anywhere on a couch. Hey, I've been a, I've a been a member couch. for over ten years, and I've been yes. listening to you since Rick 1.0. Excellent. So All right. I have absolutely no intentions with Sarah other than well, I'll probably go too, just to make it weirder. You know, <laughs> just so it's even more awkward. All right, I'm gonna put you on hold, Rich. You'll get your information, sir. Uh, Thank you, my friend. All right, there you go. Well, all right, there you go. So you, uh, so on top your of the Christmas an- dream may come true. Sir. On top of the annual fee at seventy-five bucks a night. Well, but I mean, think, look, think about how much guys. I mean, one listen to like is. Think about how much guys spend to get laid, like where it's not a sure thing. Yeah, guys will spend three hundred dollars on a date, not knowing if they're going to get laid at the end anyway. And that, that it sounds like, you know, not how I that, that works out to about seventy-eight dollars if you figure in the annual fee or whatever. I mean, you know, I yeah. guess if you figure, you know, whatever. Wow. I, again, I don't pass it. Doesn't matter to me. No, I'm whenever I pa- whenever I pass by that place, I'm always because we've got. Eight. I'm always hoping I'm going to catch somebody walking in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see. You know? The thing is, I'm the opposite. Every time I drive by there, I see people coming in or going. Really? In. Always. It's like huh. I, it's like they time it just so I can see them. Because so, there's a there's a branch of the bank that I work at right next to it. Oh so, yeah. So whenever I go visit that branch, yeah. I'm just like, look at that. It's like a Tom Waits song. What's he building in there? I you know, uh, it's just. I, I do have to say, in all fairness, much as we sort of uh, poke fun, I do have to say I've actually seen uh, I've actually seen some attractive women sort of going in and coming out, and it, but they're always with a guy who's balding with a ponytail. Always. <laughs> well, it's uh, like those sex shows on HBO. Yeah, I mean, it's always. I mean, I have seen some hot women in there. Uh, you know, they're sort of like on their way to or leaving. But again, they're always with a guy. It's like King of Queens. It's always like some hot girl and then just a schlub of a man. I'm amazed at the legality of those places. That's well, the see, part that's I don't what understand. I too. Uh, and again, because it went, I'm not spilling state secrets here. At one point, they wanted to advertise on this station. Oh, okay. Back when they were still the Ace of Hearts. And I asked uh, the guy who at the time was our general sales manager. I said, well, that can't be. I said, CBS Corporate would never allow that, would they? I said, like, I can't. I said, I can't, because I saw it on the wall, like, prospective clients, like, Ace of Hearts. And I went, what, the Ace of the Swingers place? And he goes, yeah. And I said, well, I can't, I said, I can't imagine CBS Corporate would ever allow us to do that. And he said, and I guess it made sense, he said that it is a legal business. They are not selling anything illegal. They are a private club, not in a residential area. And so, therefore, they are allowed, you know, they're a sexually oriented business. Uh, But so, you know, but hell, so is every porn store in the world. And he said, you know, they're a legal business. Uh, they're not selling anything that's against the law or dangerous or whatever, and so therefore CBS has no problem taking their money. They ended up not advertising, because I think this is about when that unpleasantness mm-hmm. happened. But, uh, you know, so whatever. It's, All fast, right. it's fascinating. Uh, well, let's do these calls, and then we'll break, and we'll come back with uh, Top 5, Tim Riley, all that. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. It's you. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Sclepy is basically the same as mad cow disease. The uh-huh. uh, archaeologist or whatever discovered it in Papua New Guinea uh, because the, it was a ritual of the tribe's members to eat the remains of their, uh, you've heard of this, right, of their uh, relatives. Right. Certain, yeah. Right. And the other thing is really quickly, um, this, this cat, he pay, he's been a 10-year paying member of the club 
to go and have sex with anonymous women, women who might actually be prostitutes, maybe, right? Women who we've all decided aren't that good-looking and are usually older. But wait a second, he got no intention towards Sarah whatsoever. Right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Tim, Tim Wiley rules. See ya. Thank you. <laughs> the best part is... Sarah's look on her face when he said that. She's like, mm. no, he sounded nice. <laughs> no, he was very nice. But he just sounded nice. He didn't know. This guy this said, um, this guy said Sarah shouldn't talk about wanting to go to the ace and say that she's quote curious in the same sentence. Someone might misunderstand. <laughs> oh no. no. <laughs> uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Now, see, now I'm getting nothing but emails from listeners. I want to go. So now everybody is asking Everyone's to go along. Curious. I think it's normal to be. Richie's curious already at Richie's. To take me too. I so. smell a listener event. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. <laughs> hi. Hi. Uh, well, my wife and I have been uh, members of the A's for a few years. Of course you have. And uh, just uh, what he was saying about uh, the price is for a single man, but a uh, couple can go, excuse me, for uh, 40 bucks a night. Do they even charge the woman anything? Uh, I, there are single women that can get insured, but um, one thing is kind of, uh, it's kind of strange. If you go on Friday nights, you get to go Saturday night for free. Ah, I see. So twofer. So there you go. So, so but... Uh, <laughs> But, well, I mean, it sounds kind of strange, but it's it's a way to get people. No, no, the I can see that. No, I mean, no, look, hey. it's a it's a business like anything else, you know. Uh, you know, it's like somebody, some, you know, it's like the ladies not at a bar, like bat night at you know Yankee Stadium or whatever. And, and I applaud them for actually having that type of business. I mean, that's that's that that's, that's what makes America great. That's right. That's, that's right. what separates us from savages, sir. I mean, no, seriously. I mean, there's countries where like she showed her ankles. Let's beat her to death. You know, and meanwhile, here a woman can be like, you know what? I want to be bonked by 500 guys tonight, so I'm going to go to a state-run, you know, state-licensed business where I can engage in anonymous sex with all kinds of men. And you know what? I'm not being crap. That really is what makes this country fantastic. That you yeah. know what you can, and and the fact that there is a church about a block from that place too. <laughs> so you know what? You can go to church, or you can go to a sex club, or frankly, you can go to both, one after the other, over Saturday and over. Saturday night, Sunday morning, yeah. your weekend's filled. There you go. That really is what makes this country wonderful. Uh, what's would you, what celebrity would you say you most resemble, sir? No, probably Sam Elliott about uh, 15 years ago. Fair enough. Fair enough. And uh, what celebrity would you say your, your wife most resembles? Oh, good question. 5'2", um, about 140 pounds, a little bit overweight. But I, I tell you what, you know, when, when you say that... Uh, that everybody there, you know, all the chicks are a bunch of cows and all uh -huh. that kind of stuff. That's absolutely not true. I mean, you get a cross section of America there like you would. And if, if you went into the strip mall, I mean, you're going to see fat people, you're going to see thin people. Let me ask you this. Is it, young, is, everything it, else. is it 18 and over or 21 and over? Uh, I believe it's 18 and over. So now. Do, but they don't serve any alcohol on the premises. Do, it, that, now, do you. If, but it seems to me, and maybe this is the case, I don't know. Richie says, no, 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 I want to escort you guys for safety. Um. It seems to me, though, if you're an 18 and over uh, club like that, are you guys just overrun with, like, 18 and 19-year-old guys? Because I'll uh, tell you what, if I was 18 and could have scraped together 50 bucks or whatever, I mean, why not? Well, it's it's uh, on Friday nights, they allow, I believe, unlimited guys, though. My wife thinks that's really creepy just because there are a bunch of guys just hanging on and they're they're looking at every, every nook and corner and, you know, there's so just guys speak. all over the place. But if you go on Saturday night... They only allow like a half a dozen guys to get in the club. The rest are couples or single women. Uh, I have a right. I have a question. As as a single guy going, I mean, like I said, like a Friday night. Theoretically, they just, they just kind of walk in. Are they like wallflowers until someone asks them to dance? Uh, I'm just gonna sit uh, over here very, and be nervous. Very much so. I mean, I, like I said, how does that I, work? I would, I would say that it's best described as walking into any kind of a dance club that you went into in the city. You're gonna hmm. see people who are very outgoing and, you know. 
they're they're pursuing each other. It happens in a bar. You're going to see people that are there just to watch, just to you know, hang out, see what it's like. And I mean, there's a lot of people that go one time and get freaked out and never go back. Again. Well, that's, there's people that are there every week. I have to say this, actually. The, the the one guy I know who went, he went with a woman who was, he was sort of dating at the time, a quasi-girlfriend, and he's, you know, good-looking guy. She's very attractive. Uh, he did say, he said that the vibe was it's just so, not bad, but just such a weird vibe that he did say for the entire night uh, he was... Uh, at no point was uh, was he able to get from A to Z, let's say. Uh, at Z, I can see that happening. Yeah, he, yeah. Z, he, Z point was never reached uh, for him anyway. Uh, just because he's like, he's like, and every time, like, like, how do I put this? If you think of the beginning as A and the end as Z, every time he got to about, I don't know, M, he said he would suddenly be aware that there were like 80 pairs of eyes watching him, and suddenly he's back at A. <laughs> but there, there, are, there are also very private places you can go to. Not every... Yeah, no, we totally have to go now, because now I just want to see it. All right, fantastic. Um, all right, well, uh, thank I wonder you. if they play Baby Scooter Blue Jeans on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have to add, do they play music? Is there music in the background? Do they play music? Well, I mean, it's set up kind of like a kind of like a club. I mean, there are rooms where people go. There are also there's also a very nice dance floor there that uh, people can go and dance, and the chicks can dance on a pole. And uh, and there are hot tubs too, right? Just hearing and the, there are there are three hot tubs. I mean, there the are hokey, two very hokey large hot tubs, and, and there's one smaller hot tub. Two of them outside, one of them inside. All right. Well, yeah. clearly there's a field trip required. All right. Questions forever. Probably. Excellent. All right. Thank you, my friend. No problem. All right. There you go. See, they never seem normal. I'm weird about that guy. Well, no, I mean, different strokes everyone's for different sexual folks. preference is their own deal. That is you know, true. Deal. All right. Uh, we've learned something today. All right. Um, <laughs> we totally have to. Is that, that isn't weird. Uh, don't you think other people are curious about what it looks I'm like? totally curious about it. I always, I, I'm, it's like, I it's like a locked door in a house. It's like what you can't get into, you yeah. want to You know see. what? And I've told this before that Laura and I, no lie, used to stand in front of our apartment building at night and just kind of watch people go in and out. And not just because, look at him, he's a fat. But just because it was just sort of odd. It's a whole other world uh, across is. across the way. Exactly. And I mean, and of course, we never, uh, we never really cared enough to like go fork up, you know, the money to go in or whatever. But I mean, it is. But we were kind of fascinated by it. I guess. Still are, I guess. So, um, all right. Let's take a break. We'll come back. Tim Riley, more from Scott Daly, and we'll do uh, the top five as well. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. That's so cute. I actually almost spit my coffee out. 503-733-2970. I would love to see you do a spit take, Sarah. That'd be the best. Uh-huh. <laughs> Seriously, that'd be fantastic. Uh, let's see. Coming up at 3, uh, Tom Like is down to Mike at 7, and so forth. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth... This is Tim Riley. Ladies and gentlemen, Sean Penn is scheduled to make a major political statement this afternoon in San Francisco. Tim Sean Penn. Say, what time, Tim? Sean Penn is set to deliver a blistering, blistering indictment of political leaders and an impassionate endorsement of presidential proportions. Well, okay. I'm over. This according to Dennis Kucinich's press release. 
Why is it according to Dennis? Why is Dennis Kucinich now the press secretary for Sean Penn? It makes you wonder, doesn't it? Okay. That's like through so many layers of idiot liberalism that by the time it reaches the air, no, it just evaporates. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, whatever. So we don't know what time it's going. Will it be happen. televised? Can we hear it somewhere? Values. It's, it's somebody's San Francisco <laughs> values. Yeah. Well, I don't like it. Not in my America. No, sir. No, sir. 65. Come on, 65. Um, what was that? It was supposed to be something else. <laughs> Is it supposed to be this? Oh, God. Oh, thank you. Is this supposed to be the Ace of Hearts or whatever it's called? Baby's got her blue jeans off. <laughs> and her underwear. She can't help if she's made that way. Okay, please. Ew, oh, what a terrible song. I hate that song so much. We that, that was going to be on my list. How about this? Top five creepiest songs to be playing in the background at the swingers club. Oh. Right. That would be Ooh, that's a, a good that's one. A great that's, see, that's what I'm saying. Write that down. I, I, I have fantastic. one. Fantastic. Okay. Nirvana. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> you mean Smells Like Teen Spirit? Yes, that's exactly the one I meant. Oh, that that sounds wrong, too. <laughs> that's very wrong. <laughs> smells like middle-aged spirit. Uh, uh, all right. All right, that's, too, that's too far, I that's think. Let's just pretend I didn't. Smells like obese spirit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good Skinner song. How about in the snow? thunder rolls? Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We've got to do that as the top five. All right, hold on. You already got two, sir. Top five more to go. worst songs to be playing in the background of a swingers club. <clears throat> All right. All right. Fantastic. Okay. So now it's payback time for America because we're criticizing China for putting uh, lead into everything. Mm-hmm. Well, now China's about to ban Pringles. That'll show us. Mm -hmm. The Chinese are blocking uh, the importation of Pringles, claiming a batch of barbecue-flavored chips contain potassium bromide. The independent Chinese laboratory said that that's banned in China. Well, doesn't everything... I mean, look, I mean, I love Pringles, but there's nothing natural in Pringles. No. They're not even really made out of, I mean, it's like a potato-like substance. Pringles are sort of their own... No one's ever asked what they are. No, I mean, Pringles are kind of like their own food group. Yeah. They, so they, that's, that's they China's answer. That's China's answer to ban Pringles. That's China's answer to sending right. us something that will kill thousands of people if used, I mean, really, even if used correctly. Yes. Uh, the answer is that, well, we, we show you we no love Pringles into this country. <laughs> All right, fine. Yankee dog. <laughs> Yo, we're potato log, no sell here. So we right. Never mind. Is that the extent of our news today? Yes, because I think Court and Fat Boy are here. Why, hello, Court and Fat Boy. <laughs> Look at that. Oh, hi, how are you? Hey, no. what's up? Hey, here we hi, go. Hey, uh, let's. Uh, this, this is where Sarah Welcome, uh, Who wants to sit in my chair? Who? That I sounds know. creepy. Sit <laughs> 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 Uncle Tim's lap. <laughs> Who wants to go to the swingers club? <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, Tim Riley, greatest newsman in the history of the world. Back at uh, four, five, six, and seven, top of the hour, all the way through. Uh, like us. Why? Hello, fat boy. Hello. 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 Hi. So let's. Uh, so the rockathon is going on until midnight. So uh, yes, midnight. Yes, midnight. Yes, we are closing uh, it out. All right. So this is where people can. Um, 
Jeremy, you don't unclick it and you almost stab I'm me. Sorry, right. Right. Spears at your producer. Yeah, that's that's what this is. Uh, and so people can like, well, there's there's like the uh, the guitar signed by Ozzy and Zach Wild and uh-huh. yeah, we, stuff. a variety of signed things. We you know the, the easiest way to give is to uh, call up and request songs that uh, normally do not get played on KUFO. Uh, we've had Barbara Streisand played on the air before. The Transformers theme has been played on the air before. Yes, indeed. Uh, it, it costs a little bit more, twenty five bucks if you uh, want something that we normally play. If you want Tool or Metallica, someone right. bid a hundred dollars to have Bozik sing along to Europe's The Final Countdown. There you go. Really? I'm a little yeah. disappointed because at no point did he go, come on! Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. That should have happened. Was yeah. that recorded? What? Uh, did they get that? You can, you can pull it down. Off the, I'll pull it down off the logger. Yeah, that's great. Uh, so Sarah and I have a song that uh, I have just paid for this. I just gave my credit card to Susan Rice. At 3 o'clock? At 3 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And it's a short song. And like us always does... Uh, no, well, that's in a second. Like us always does on Fridays, his 3 o'clock hour starts with a long montage of stuff from earlier in the week. So they're going to play it at 3. You'll be able to listen to it, and then you'll be able to tune back over and without missing any of Tom's show. Uh, so that'll be at 3 o'clock on KUFO. Um, do you want to announce what it is? Oh, you can do it. Uh, why don't you do it? Okay. Rick Spot. Do you have a drum roll? Wait, hold on. I think I do. Hold on. I think I have a drum roll. I think I have one. Andy! Oh, damn it. <laughs> I have a drum roll in Wait. the... So we have paid. Uh, we have paid to have Nickel Arcades. I hope there's vodka in heaven. Uh, played on uh, KUFO uh, at uh, 3 p.m. So there you go. It's all very exciting. It is exciting. That was very nice of you. No, I'm just saying. I know it's just it was all your security. idea, though. It was your idea. It wasn't my. I paid for it, but it was your idea. So there yeah, you go. but you paid for it. Yes, it is true. <laughs> yeah. Susan's take. It's too late now. She's already processed my credit card. Right. I am pot committed at this point. Uh, so, all right. So that's uh, tonight. And then next week, you all have uh, what? The Gremlins and the we, Hey Hey? Yeah. We do have Gremlins. Uh, one more thing on, on the Rockathon. I have Gremlins. Though. Doctor, I, uh, I'm going to need some kind of a shot. Apparently, I have Gremlins. One more thing on the Rockathon thing, though. I know there's a lot of Trekkies out there. Uh, and uh, up for bid during our show, we're showing Wrath of Khan. Uh, in in January, and you can bid to get in. It's fifteen dollars to to get a seat. Right. Um, if you bid a way above and beyond, the top ten bidders will get some pretty cool stuff from Dark Horse Comics. Yeah. So it's going to be quite stuff. a geek tastical midnight movie. And I know there's a lot of Trekkies here in the audience in the city. We're kind of a geek tastic city. Yeah. I don't know the last time Star Trek II: Wrath of Khan was shown in film at a theater like the Baghdad. Right. But I gotta imagine it hasn't been shown like that since 1982. And we're we're gonna make it sort of like a geek festival. We can't quite that. announce what's going on yet. But there, it's gonna be it's gonna be sort of like a Star Trek circus going on. If yeah. We get everything the way we want it. So it, even if you weren't donating for the kids and helping the kids, it would still be worth the fifteen dollars that you would put down minimum for yep. your seat. I can't wait for that. Yeah, Actually, yeah. Oh, you gonna be there? Oh, please. Okay. Oh, good. Yes. Good. Are you kidding me? <laughs> All right, Scott almost backhanded you to that, man. <laughs> Come on. So I'm bringing it up right now. I'm going to see if I can spring this on Sarah. We were talking about the um, the worst songs. We had the guy of this whole discussion about the 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 swingers club, the yeah, yeah, angels or whatever that, it's called yeah. now. Yeah. And so we were talking about the, the worst songs because apparently there's a jukebox there. <laughs> the, the worst songs that could be playing in the background while you're at the swingers club. Uh, we were Ave having... Maria. <laughs> oh, the act of contrition. <laughs> um, so this, somebody suggested this as the single worst song to be playing in the background. So you secured the back and you secured all the windows? Sarah. Great job, guys. Do you know this? Miss Sparks, you're perfectly safe now. Not yet, actually. I feel very safe. So <gasps> why don't I... Oh, is this all make love to you? The, uh... Oh, boy. Well, because when you said secure the locks and the windows, it sounded a little scary. Yeah. They win, whoever that is. Mm. 
Mm. Are you a boy tonight? That's bad. Meanwhile, it's a no, guy that... if you're going to a swingers club with your significant other, getting ready to do the hump, and then all of a sudden you hear, I'll make love to you. And just picture a guy that looks like a balding, force-fed Kenny Rogers. <laughs> but what if it was Motown Philly? Maybe it's a little more... Yeah, it's a little bouncy. Uh, you can get your groove on the Motown bouncy. Philly. Yeah. <laughs> Jump up to the electric slide. What the guy says? There's like two wet sacks of laundry. <laughs> Rolling around. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I'm just, I, you know, I'm taking the cheapest shots. I'm no, like, prize or anything. So, I mean, it really, it's like you, I am legally obligated to make those jokes. It's just required. Uh, all right. Excellent. Um, well, what are we doing here? Are we, let's do, um, hey, have you guys heard the Christmas at Clear Channel thing? No. What? Um, okay. I'll tell you what. Let's play this, and then we'll go into the break. We'll come back uh, with these phone calls and the so forth. So I'll play this in the break. Uh, this is a thing. Nobody really knows who did this. John Paul from Couple sent this to me. Oh, well. Uh, it is fantastic. Uh, so I'll play this, and then we'll turn off the mics. You guys have guessed it. So I'll play the, turn off the mics so you guys can hear this. This is um, not Tim Riley. A lot of people thought Tim did this. Uh, Tim did like this, but this is uh, d- done by person or persons unknown. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I give you Christmas at Clear Channel on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Revised Scholastic Films presents The Truth Behind Christmas at Clear Channel. Yes, it's Christmas time at Clear Channel Broadcasting Incorporated. And it's the happiest time of year, where employees celebrate giving and the spirit of Christmas, while Clear Channel celebrates wonderful year-end returns and fat executive bonuses. However, some people crazily believe that large corporations don't care about their employees. With Clear Channel, this couldn't be more untrue. Look here, it seems that Clear Channel has organized a corporate secret Santa program where each employee gets a gift from a secret corporate philanthropic specialist. Jimmy received a pink slip of paper, no doubt containing an uplifting holiday message from the company. Look at Jimmy jump up and down, screaming at the top of his lungs. Probably trying to thank Clear Channel for their holiday generosity. There are always holiday festivities going on at any of the 1.75 billion Clear Channel radio stations at Christmas time. Wow, look at the happy employees cleaning out their offices, probably to make room for the tree. And the upcoming Christmas feast that Clear Channel has undoubtedly organized. Does Clear Channel Broadcasting care about the Christmas spirit? You're right, they do. Look at this formerly high-paid executive. He used to be cooped up in a dingy office every day. But now, thanks to Clear Channel, he's working as a corner Santa Claus. Wait a minute, you're supposed to wave with all of your fingers extended, Santa. And here you see another employee being escorted out of the building by security. Probably so he can experience the crisp, cool weather, which will make him even more into the Christmas spirit. Apparently, this employee had asked to have Christmas Day off. So Clear Channel responded by giving him several years of vacation time. What a generous company of friends. And of course, since Clear Channel is a large corporation that makes hundreds of millions of dollars per year, they are incredibly charitable. Here they are hiring a homeless person with no broadcasting experience whatsoever to be one of their highest profile hosts. Some would say they would hire anyone or do anything just to save a buck. But this homeless junkie, soon to be talk show host, doesn't think so. Say hello to the camera, Glenn. And that's the generous truth behind the Clear Channel Christmas. 
saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson Show. I think I found the worst song we can hear at the Swingers Club. Is All that right. Swingers Club? Okay. Oh. <laughs> All right, that's unnerving. Young and sweet on the Just a whole lot of grunting and, you know, wet slapping. I was thinking of the, of the lyrics more so. Oh, I see. I was just thinking that this... This kind of sounds like porn music, really, when I hear it in this context. But it's such a great song. It's kind of got that... <laughs> okay. The saddest song reminds me of Art Bell. Totally. It's that it's cold, the wild card line. <laughs> like Dream of yeah, yeah, Totally, exactly. exactly. <laughs> East of the Rockies. <laughs> um, Hello. Bill. I can't do his voice anymore. Is he still on the air? I don't know. Well, you know he... Never mind. Don't say it. <laughs> don't... Okay, Aaron. <gasps> oh, Aaron wrote me that yesterday, too. Yeah. Is yeah. that true? Yes. No. <laughs> Stop. Stop lip syncing. It's weirding me out. <laughs> and she's very happy. Look at her. On my 17th birthday party, I made them play this on repeat. I'm so... I said this. This and Chumba won by Tub Thumper. I love Tub Thumper. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hey. Hey, I just sent you a copy of my old uh, membership card to that place. Uh, to what? To the uh, Ace of Hearts? Yeah. Did you, you like, scanned it in and sent it? Uh, I took a picture of it and I sent it to Richie because he said to send it to his address, so. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> Why do I suspect it's going to be printed it, out in Photoshop? It's the subject of identity it, theft. Yeah, totally. Right? Exactly. It's an, old, it's an old card from when it was Ace, but uh, it's, so it's like, it's like five years old, but it's, right. it's, that's it. And so it's five years old, so how long do you remember there, sir? How long ago? Yeah, how how long? For how long? Oh, uh, God. How long was I? Remember how long ago? But for how long? How long? Oh, I think it was about a two years. And so, so you were a satisfied customer. Yeah, it was all right. It was all right. How often did you go? Oh boy, we probably went a total of maybe ten times. Oh, so this is you and a and a partner. Yeah. And so uh, now, I don't even know. See, now again, we're just opening up the whole the whole can of worms again. Um. And so you went, now what made you stop going? I just kind of, I don't know, we just kind of fell out of it and just quit doing it. Now is this, now is it the same group of people kind of every weekend or is it always like different people? Yeah, it got to be that way and so. Is that a thing where you just look around one day and go, I have had sex with everybody here and I'm sick of it? I wouldn't say that, but I know we just kind of fell out of the, lost would, favor with it, I guess. Wouldn't say you were sick of it or wouldn't say you had sex with everyone in the room? I wouldn't say I was sick of it. Okay. <laughs> may, 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 I, may I ask this? And if this is, you don't have to tell me this if you don't Your wish sexual to. Sexual preference? Well, I was going to say that. Well, oh. cause I don't, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think they allow uh, male and male behavior there, do they? Uh,. I don't, if, if it's still the same way, no. Yeah, there was, at oh. the time, I think, there was some weird double standard where, yeah, of course, that's kind of... well, you know, it's the stupid American, well, two girls is fine, but I won't have two men kissing, because that's well, disgusting. There's, there's, there's other places, in, there's a lot of places in town that actually cater to, you know, gay males. Well, I, you know, there's well, whatever. I don't want to, it's not my play. I, wanna, it's not, I don't want to be on a big rant about it. It's just, whatever. Yeah. Um, but, um... Anyway, uh, so let me ask you this though: uh, uh, over the course of that uh, of that ten times, how many different sexual partners would you say you had there? We were, we were kind of just voyeurs. We didn't. Yeah, we, we we met some people, but it wasn't a whole lot. Oh, I see. So you we, just kind of went kinda, to check out the site because you were just well, into yeah, watching. We kind of tried it out, but it was like you know, that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> you see, this is not a ringing endorsement that a guy 
given the entree to a club where presumably you could have sex with any number of, of strange women, that you would just kind of go, eh, not for me. But I, mean, I, uh, it's just... but I think the majority of it is the whole curiosity factor, where you go in, you check it out, ah, all right, I've okay, seen yeah, this, I've well, done it, I'm done. No, I'm saying, we, Sarah and I totally have to go now. Like, we are, yeah, we are committed to it at this point. It's just one of those life notches that got to cross off. So yeah, totally, gone to sex. I, I, I got to be honest with you, I wasn't expecting to be on the air. I was just going to call Richie and tell him I sent it to him. And yet, here you are. So now I'm a deer in headlights. All right, thank you, my friend. Thank you for all listening. Right. All right, yeah, there yeah. you go. Right. All right. Uh, com. what's up yes, this week? Yes, we're going to uh, – actually, we're, I'm heading over to the studio right now to record this week's show, so it should be up by tomorrow. A little late, sorry. It was a busy week for, for me. Uh, we are going to have some more movie news, DVD releases, and our second installment of Film Fever Radio's Christmas films of – our favorite Christmas films. Aaron and I each pick a Christmas film each week we talk about. So, Excellent. That is up this week. And, uh, yeah, check it out. It's good right. I want to thank everyone. 12,000 downloads in November. Very cool. 12,000. So we're very happy about that. All right, thank you. We want to thank CNN Radio Correspondents Jim Roop and Lisa Desjardins, Scott Daly, and, of course, Tommy Thayer from Kiss. He's going to be at Burbati's tomorrow with Black and Blue for a benefit show starting at 9.30 p.m. Uh, and so forth. I think I thank Jim. What? Susan Reynolds. Susan Reynolds as well. And by the way, our uh, Rockathon song is coming up on KUFO in like mere minutes. Listen to that, and then you can uh, tune back over and catch Tom. Uh, Rick Emerson, show producer, Danny, everybody, lovely, talented, Sarah X, Dylan, Tim Riley, Dave Zinn. Everybody, have a good weekend. Be safe. See you all on Monday. Bye now. Watch out for snakes. I barely knew her.